mentality is what keeps us together. It's Saya. Hey, I'm Carol. It's Tiffany. It's Nicole, and this is what keeps us together. Basically, the group chat in your head. Living rent free. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Yeah. All right. So today, if you haven't noticed, we have a special guest with us today, Mrs. Denine Vaughn. Hey. Welcome. 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 Um, Miss Denine, uh, Mrs. Denine Vaughn is the founder and CEO of the Mind and Wellness Foundation. In her professional life, she's an executive producer of events, but she's most proud of being a wife and mother and Nana to two beautiful grandkids. <laughs> We're so glad you're here yeah, today. Thank you. you for having me. Of course. Thank of course. you. Okay. So this week, the song of the week is going to be a song that helped you get through your week or a song that helped describe your week. Who wants to go first? Mm. Okay. I'll go first. Okay. okay. Um, I've been listening to, um, I regret saying this, but Kanye West Sunday Service Choir. Oh. Um, and <sighs> Father Stretch My Hands has been like on oh. repeat. Oh, yeah. Um, since y'all know it, I won't, I won't sing it. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> that's actually what you're waiting for? Uh, well, usually we have to sing it because no one knows the song, but I'm pretty sure you guys all know it. Do our audience, <laughs> does our audience though? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so out. yeah, so that's what's been playing heavy on my um on my playlist this week. Okay, uh, okay I'll go. Okay. Um, this is gonna be problematic because I don't necessarily know how the whole song goes. Um, <laughs> you don't have to sing the whole three minutes. Well, okay. Anyway, it's um I actually played the song for y'all. The is it "Blessed Up" by Maverick City and Kirk Franklin? Why would oh. that be problematic? Well. Not not the song being problematic. Oh, like I don't know the words or how it goes right now to tell you. Just look it up. I'm not doing all of that. Just look it up. It is a good song. It's it a great song. It's like the perfect blend of gospel and trap. So I'm that's how I car. feel about Father Touch My Hand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Can you get your little groove on while praising the Lord? Hallelujah. What's the groove? <laughs> do it one more time. No, <laughs> I want to see you do it. <laughs> Kylie would be proud. <laughs> oh, hold on, wait. <laughs> This is just for you. Wow, I'm really impressed. Yeah. Oh, wait, I got the whole dance. Look at you tiki talking over here. It's the tiki talk. It's my tiki talk moves. Good for you. Follow me. Yes. There's no videos follow there, though. Follow me. There's no videos. She posts once a month. Okay. The same she amount that she's in our group chat. Right. Yes. She don't like anything. You, you know put anything out there, she's going to like it. All right, it. next song. <laughs> it's enough slander for one right. point. Uh, I can go next. Okay. Uh, my week, these kids have tried. Mm. My soul. Not even your kids. We're not even my children. <laughs> and I'm just like, we might have to send these kids back. Oh. I don't even. It, it was a hard week, and I had to keep telling myself, I love these kids. Oh, I love these children. Yes, to her employer, she <laughs> loves these kids. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. I really, really do. But there were moments where I was really, really tried. So I think this week, uh, the song that comes in my head is a uh, Trick Daddy, Trick Love the Kids. <laughs> I'm sick. <laughs> I definitely thought you were about to go. That's the way love goes. I need it. I needed something to just, okay, you just go roll, roll into the next move, roll into the next day. Because this kid is trying. I think we should move me. on. I'm scared for your employment status <laughs> after this episode drops. They already know about their children. Okay, my song of the week is um it's a Sir song. It's the it's Life is Good 
And so mm. basically the chorus is life is good. Hey, hey. And that has been on a loop in my brain. So <laughs> it's by who, sir? Yeah. Don't know if I'm familiar. Really? Uh, oh, I like that. You would like his. Yeah. yeah you would oh, really like his. I've never okay. heard of this individual. Oh, well, great. Oh, I got to okay, get y'all so hit. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. All right. Yes. Very good. <laughs> Mr. Neen, how about you? You got a song of the week? So my song of the week has been um, to kind of get me through and push through was C.C. Penniston. Okay. Yes. Ladies. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. 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 You don't need me to sing it for you. Right? Oh, come on. Yeah. Sing well, we do want, we do think a song title. Song, yeah. Oh, I think it is Keep On Walking. So, okay. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> oh, yes. Keep on walking. Yes. I ain't talking oh, okay. to you anymore. Is the chorus. Yes. I don't know yes. the rest of the words. Okay. That's all, that's that's all, 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 all we needed. Need whatever was so in your head. That's what you with the vocals. Yes. Yeah, that's a good one. podcast and show us up. I'm not. Yes, I'm not going back either. So. All right. So today's uh, cultural reference is um, centered around the Mind and Wellness Foundation. Um, so Mr. Neen, who is the CEO and founder of this foundation, is there anything else that you would like us to know about you or the foundation? Mm. Um. You said it all in my little short bio, but just that I'm passionate about our people. I'm passionate about our culture and um, I'm passionate about young people. Um, Yeah. And I'm just passionate about we'll we'll get into what mind and wellness is and why, but the why behind it. But um, obviously there's a great deal of passion about being able to kind of influence and be able to encourage and being able to connect mm. people overall, but particularly in our culture um, right now. Okay. So growing up, um, what was the conversation around mental health in your house? There wasn't. Okay. Mm. Seems to be a trend in there wasn't. African-American families. Has that changed since you had kids or did that change when you had kids? Not specifically about mental illness. We talked openly in our household. It was this conversation, having three black male sons, first off. I didn't know what the heck when I had them. Like, how did I end up blessed Mm -hmm. with three kings? But um, I don't know that we started having conversations just around mental health. It was whatever you got, bring it to the table. As long as you guys are respectful to to us. Yeah. Whatever you got to say, you can say it here. Mm -hmm. Or you can talk it through here. That's an anomaly. Yeah, the open sure. conversation. I'm, I'm sitting looking at my husband. I'm not sure where and why. I wanted a place where I, I didn't have that place yeah. 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 to be able to be open, to be honest, to be heard. Right. Um, I wanted great relationships with my son and I, my sons, and I didn't, I don't think we knew any other way except to let's talk about it. Right. We, you know, um, the good, the bad, the ugly, mm, sure. and whatever it was, we tried to figure it out if it was ugly. Mm. And work through it together. Um, that was kind of been our overall approach. Um, so have the con- and there were definitely conversations as he got older to talk about mental health, to p- talk about life, to talk about death, to talk about any of those things. Um, just didn't know it was going to hit so close. Mm. I think growing up, you definitely felt like the cool mom. Like out of oh, all the moms, yeah, cool mom. <laughs> yeah, I think you just have that demeanor of being like very easy to talk to, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. and so I can see how that would translate, obviously, to your kids because it translated over to 
Do you want to explain your relationship? Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, I guess that would be important. <laughs> so um, I went to high school with Miss Neen's oldest son, Kevin. And then my little brother was best friends with her middle child, Chris. And then Cam, the youngest, I guess, was just always around. Miss um, Neen's all, and her husband are also really good friends with my parents. So we were just always together, like dinners, family functions, holidays. We were together a lot. And then they moved into our neighborhood. So we really saw each other a lot. All around, all the time. Man. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. So, Did you hit on a point, though, that I wanted to, it was intentional um, that we, so growing up in Northern Virginia or raising our kids in Northern Virginia, mm-hmm. um, great place, great schools. When we had a choice to pick, we were moving from Denver, it was Maryland or whatever. And we intentionally moved there for school system purposes. Right. Mm-hmm. But there was far and few people of color. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was easy to navigate. One, the boys connected us friends and so those families became our extended family and became a bigger yeah like Sunday dinners were the thing so yeah and so to make sure there was still like you migrate toward people like you had no problem in them being in a diverse environment right but also wanted them to be able to understand what it meant to be amongst the people yeah Yeah. right so yeah Yeah. curating your own community we talk about all the time being that in itself, I think, is part of managing your mental health as well. Just being right. able to be able to be around individuals that you know are going to be able to support not only you, but your extended family right. that's that's there during that time is it's important to manage that so that your mental health is solid, at least with having individuals in your life and other people's and your kids lives that are going to be able to pour into it and keep them mm-hmm. safe. So I, I felt we had that same kind of curated. Matter of fact, my, my parents still are really close friends with a lot of the people that they curated. Mm-hmm. So I, I get that. That makes yeah. perfect sense. Yeah. Uh, what does self-care mean to you? In, in, in self-care has changed uh, a lot for me mm. and probably the last two years for sure. And I say the last two years, COVID was hard. Mm. It is still obviously COVID, but initial state, the initial state of it, I went into panic mode. I suffer from anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. And probably the week after, I just, like, when we got secluded, mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. was, it's going to be like, I'm not used to not being forward and being able to engage and see people. Yeah. And it just felt so daunting. Like, so I was having a panic attack. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say moving from, to move from that, though. My boys rallied around and they're like, and my husband, and I say my boys um, rallied around to go, okay, we got to move you from this. Yeah. What is this? I sought care early on. There was no care for, I called my primary. I couldn't even get a call back within mm. the week. And I called back at the end of the week. I'm like, I'm not in a good space. I need to talk to somebody. So we did a face, a face care. I'm only saying that to go outside of care, not being readily available. Mm. Yeah. It was, it, Generally, it was even worse during COVID. Yeah. Um, self-care, though, became, that was my starting journey. And I call it my journey. A transition was the youngest, the wise one, I call him. Chris, Reggie were there. Kevin were there. Like, whatever you need, supportive in that way. And Cam is just straight up, like, where are your tools? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dang, did that come back to us now that I'm you're using the word tools? And he's like, what are your tools? And those tools became me getting outside. We were then open to go outside, right? 
those tools were me starting to work out. So that became a necessary. Those were things that were helping me move my moods and emotions. Mm. Um, so self-care to me was then I started, and you'll see me and the things I was posting is finding my peace. So it mm. was, where is that? I need to be where that is. And right. I also had to look at care of what I was having around me or who I was having around me to go. I can't go with that. That's too much negative or that's too much whatever I need to. So it was about the care was really for the first time me looking into go what brings me peace, what brings me calm and doing those things. Um, the other things like massage and stuff that I used to do that was a luxury, that is now a necessity. It's mm. not even a question. It is part of my monthly kind of I need it to one soothe my my body and my emotions and stuff. But yeah, um, so it looks different. Self-care looks different today than I grew mm. up. Self-care to me was a luxury then. I'm always mm. in love wow. the part of me that takes care of other people. I didn't know how to take care of me. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know begin to know that what that major. looked like. Yeah. Until I had to. Right. And that had to was kind of surviving again, COVID from a mental state of mind. Mm -hmm. And then now um, definitely in trying to move this place of grief. Um, looks different. Where would you say you are on your mental health journey right now? Are you I am cognizant. I'm aware of, of my emotions. And let me feel I am moving. I am working through it more so than I've ever had to in the past in terms of, I have a therapist. I've had two at one point of recent. Um, it's hard to say. I, I know I'm tinkering, depending on the day, uh, on, on the, I've been in the depressive mode. Yeah. I've, anxiety is just like a normal thing that I'm having to manage every day, right? Um, the grief portion adds just a whole nother layer because there's so many facets to it. And I guess the, the one thing I take away from that is my therapist reminds me you're on a journey there to no destination mm -hmm. and that grief is not linear. Mm. So one day, you know, you might be, I might look, people are going, you look great. And I don't feel that way. Right. Um, I'm not right there at the edge of where I've been. Oh, it's right there. So <clears throat> I'm cognizant of my emotions and my feelings and understanding where they're stemming from, mm -hmm. but understand more than ever that I have that self-care is important and that I follow through on this journey of working with someone to help guide me right now. Mm -hmm. um, okay. um, what would you say are some coping mechanisms that helped you um, to this point in your journey? I know that you talked about, you know, working out and getting outside, but are there some like additional things that are mm -hmm. breathing? Mm -hmm. And I don't sure. even I look, that word is so different now. Yeah. I know what you mean. You mean like breath work? Yeah. Breath work. Yeah. Breath work to understand. I can help move some energies. I can help move my emotions. I, and it's, it's meant more than anything I need to kind of, my husband go, why is that big sigh? I'm like, it is actually, I've learned it's the body's way of ex, 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 uh, ex, exerting negative and, and pushing out. So mm. I'm appreciative of that. But breath work has been amazing. Mindfulness where I used to be like, I can't do this. Again, that came about last year. I have a good friend that goes, I want you to try this meditation, mindfulness, understanding. I can't do yoga because I can't sit still because my mind races. Mm. But I learned better. The whole yoga is another piece, but the mindfulness, the breathing, and just being able to make space and a go at a pace that flows and not just gets you know, I allow myself space to feel what I'm going to feel, mm. whatever space I'm in. 
if I if that means taking a moment to kind of regroup, yes. And the takeaway that I tell my psychologist will ever stay with me is to I have to ask myself, what do I need right now? What do you need right now? Right. right. Is so, that a constant question you ask yourself, or is that like when days, you're yes. feeling like more emotionally charged? <laughs> Probably or? more when I'm feeling more emotionally charged, but on a day to day, because again, I had fewer days where I wake up and go, great, hey, you good. More days of wow. Okay, here you are again. What's gonna do? You know, I'm mindful. I'm prayerful. I'm in those states. So I've had, I've had finding myself um, more in that needing to be mindful and needing to give myself that space right. and needing to not just go, go, go. Right. I gotta go the flow that my space is in. You know where I'm at. So you mentioned um, having to go, 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 and I'm even as someone myself who struggles with self care. And prioritizing that when have there ever been times where you've fallen off of your self-care routine? And if so, how do you get back into the groove of it? Um, definitely falling off. You know, again, I will defer to my psychologist because she's my in my anchor um, as well as my my family to be able to talk to go. I fell into I'm just going to refer to it. It was probably a couple months ago that I fell into this horrible sorrow, sim- uh, sadness and anger and you know my psychologist said so what what are you doing are you still doing using your processing tools nope right. i can't i can't right. i can't give myself oh boxing has been coming out you, you boxing nope you walking nope journaling nope you reading no i'm not doing anything i don't i'm just here and i hate being here mm-hmm. but consistently i would challenge myself you can't stay here you know, mm-hmm. I would have people tell me, you're, it's okay. You're going to feel that. But I, and I knew I couldn't stay here. This is not where I wanted to be. I said it early on in our grief. If there's the five of us said it to each other, if you see one of us staying too long and mm-hmm. it's then, and I knew it, I just had to talk myself to get it together. Like, it's okay to feel this, but you got to move from this. Yeah. I was going to ask you, give yourself grace to feel I've that been for a little bit. A lot of grace. I've never mm-hmm. done that mm-hmm. for my life to give myself, I've given myself grace to kind of move through this I don't know how else because when I enter this my psychologist asked like what is it that you want out of this and it's like to process this in the most healthiest manner that I can Mm -hmm. and so part of getting to that healthy point is the pain the pain point yeah is is facing those pain points and I kind of have a follow-up question to that um in terms of like when you find yourself falling off of your self-care routine does it feel gradual does it feel abrupt is it just like I feel like I fell totally off that. I, okay. I feel, well, in that particular wave, I'll call it, mm-hmm. I could see it coming. Mm-hmm. But I, there was nothing, I was, I guess I was going to go there inevitably. Um, but I found myself st- just staying there or to the points in which what, what was coming out is this anger and sadness. I'm like, how do you have those two as a mix? Mm-hmm. And when your husband's going, okay, I need you to call Dr. Ford. Or even me going, I need her now. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, um, but I try not to get stuck with just relying on her either as a crutch. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's going, what is it that you, again, if I haven't said this already, she would ask, what do you need? Then? Yeah. I would have to start going back to that to go, okay, what do you need today? What is it? I know what it is mm-hmm. that's causing this. Right. But what is it that you need that's going to help you in that moment that, or the space that I was in? So if I'm hearing correctly, it sounds like you're fully aware of what is happening 
with you, mm-hmm. but the tools necessary to combat what is what is occurring was the things that you were having to build on. I was having to build. Yeah, on. because there's never and never that's been what anything. I encourage it. I uh, coming out of mind and wellness when we talk about it is I want people to have tools. If you don't have tools, I'm not sure how you. Again, I've suffered from anxiety and depression a long time. I've had traumatic things. You know, we'll get to that as understanding. I don't want you guys, I don't want young people to get to 58 years old and have go, oh, all this pain from the past and, can, and traumas on top of trauma, yeah. never treat it. Not okay. Like, so I'm dealing with this. I think last year, if I can look at like the, the portion of when I was going through, trying to overcome and get myself together working through COVID, oddly enough, I can look back now and go, one would say that's not the preparation for that, but it was preparation yeah. for what I was going to have to pay yeah. with using those tools. Yeah. Yep. Um, I've just been thinking about, you use the word tools often. Um, I actually have a couple questions, but okay. you use the, the word tools often. And I know that, Tools could be different for other, you know, you mentioned journaling. What have been some of the tools for our listeners that they could, that you have found helpful that other people could potentially use that they don't have anywhere to start? What gives you peace? Okay. What gives Mm -hmm. you peace? What allows you to, so somebody, I talk a lot about it for my family. They don't necessarily, I'm able to talk about Chris's death. It's necessary for me to talk about Chris's death. That's been, that is seemingly a tool to be able to use your voice then in that respect, right? Um, for my, for Cam, not throwing, getting ready to say, music has always been a thing for him. Music has been, and now he's developing art. He's an actual artist, a different kind of artist. Um, but he's also, he was doing this before Chris passed, but an author. So he's fine. That's, these are things he's, for Kevin, it has been working out, but then, for Kevin, it's finding, you know, he's got to find other tools. So those are tools. It's like, what gives you peace? What allows you to process? Okay. So I don't, it definitely not the same for everyone, for sure. Oh. Um. So my other question is, you've also mentioned about your support group being um, the kings in your life, your husband, your sons. Um, do you have in, any support system in your friends group? Um, is it okay for people to ask? how your journey with mental health is going. Um, and then what is the line? Yep. Um, so I'll start with the mental health piece of it because, and it's not, it is separate somewhat of the grief and where I'm at in that. Um, I didn't have for so long knowing that I, I think it was after I was diagnosed with acute depression and anxiety. I didn't feel like I had anybody that I could tell that for um, concern about judgment. Mm. Uh, concerned about crazy yeah. right. isolation of that. I have one good friend and she's been there. I don't even know how it came up. When I started being able to, I guess there was a point in which she and I were talking about it and I was like, I have this, I suffer from this. And then it was, girl, me too. Mm. It was comfortable mm. then for her to be able to say that. And we don't have to talk about it a lot now, but we always check in. Yeah. And it's like, where's your headspace? Where you at? How are you today? So it was felt so good finally to be able to have someone to share that with 
Not mm-hmm. that I, misery creates company, you know, likes company thing, but someone that I could talk to. Mm-hmm. And at some point over the years, I've allowed myself to be able to, to say, this is how, this is what I'm experiencing. And not always, but in other groups that go, someone would say, thank you. This is what I'm saying. I've been scared to say something about it. So mm-hmm. in social groups and in, you know, it's not a workplace conversation, but we've ha- I've had casual conversations with different friends and it's been that way to say in our environment and events and production, it's a high stress level in it. There's you find a lot of mental health uh, issues or, or disorders. Yep. Um, is it OK for somebody to ask me? about it? Absolutely. And I'll share my story. And it may be different from yours. It may be similar to me, parallel, like I may not have what you have. I think I, I definitely hope the doctor helped kind of clear what is mental illness and what are disorders. And some people may just be in a situational kind of thing, experience some trauma. Somebody may have just had a life situation that is just cause anxiety for that. Like you don't always, there's not always yeah. a label, right. not right. Um, but being able to identify what your experience when you're seeing things over and over and situations happen to you. Um, I think that's important. And again, you guys can talk that through with the doctor, but yeah, people can ask me about, I'm in a great space in my life and space to go. Yeah. And let's talk about it in terms of the grief. It's funny we talk about it. It's like, and this is natural and this would come. Everybody was there in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And so far and few, and I won't say there, many aren't comfortable asking yeah. us. We're talking about it. And I get that. Um, but many people aren't comfortable. And But it's okay. I prefer either you not ask how we're doing, just don't even, or ask and be okay that you may, what, what I'm finding is people aren't comfortable anymore. And they weren't comfortable even before this. I said this and asking and they get a response. If I'm good, they're great. Right. If I'm, if I say today's not a good day or I'm not doing good, I don't know how to respond to that. Right. But I think that's generally, I used to say this of when people ask you how you're doing today, you shouldn't ask people how they're doing it if you're not prepared right. to get the response. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's been a reoccurring yeah. so theme. So that is my thing with asking us about grief. I've been in, in rooms with spaces that I left uncomfortable and mad that you kind of skirted around it and you asked yeah. us everything else, but how are you doing? And it's okay. Like, mm-hmm. and I get, but I get on people's discomfort. Um, and I'm not, you know, begrudging anyone, but it is hard sometimes to not have someone I'm not, you know, Oh, woe is we. Right. But you know what our experience is. You know where we're at. Right. Just how you doing? You guys good? I'd, I'd rather that than nothing. What um, is the response you would like to hear? Like when when sharing that, like what's something that. In terms of how we're doing? Yeah. What the response from other people? Yeah. Yes. Like once you share that, like today is not a good day. Like I think, you know, you said that people don't know how to respond. Right. Like what is the appropriate response? Or I'm like a script a, people, but it is just. Don't try to. It'll be. <laughs> Don't mm-hmm. come with, you're going to get over it yeah. <laughs> or right, right. it's just acknowledge, just, you know, I'm so sorry you're going through this. Yeah. Right. Or, you know, I, I don't know what descriptive, but don't just leave me hanging like, well, well, yeah. <laughs> cause I've gotten that. Yeah. Um, I'd rather you say, dang, that's, you know, that's tough or yeah, that sucks or whatever. Just acknowledge you heard me. Mm-hmm. You don't have to fix us. You, we can't be, we, you know, it's going to take a while to fix this. Just, just, you know, that's all. Well, we've touched on a little bit of the reasoning behind you and the motivation behind starting the uh, Mind and Wellness Foundation. Mm-hmm. So um, 
would you like to tell us how you got here, what the motivation was? Yeah. So totally, I would say I, pro- I wouldn't be here had Chris not took his, taken his life. Mm-hmm. Just call it what it is. Um, he is the inspiration behind my diploma. We, Carol, you know this. I think at some point you were helping me with a bunch of different things. But um, his diagnosis prior to his, his death um, was acute depression and PTSD. Some would ask, was he in the service? No, he wasn't in the service. And PTSD is not limited to the service. I now am suffering because I found him uh, with PTSD. He thought he had something more, not more significant, different than that. Long story short, by the time, I guess it got to be where Chris was not able, and he was seeing signs even in his his self that he sought to get help, which was early 2021. Um, COVID was hard on him as well. So that layered on top of that. Um, I don't know what else he was going through because I wasn't sitting in his space. He talked openly with more openly with us and probably even more with me because at the time of his death, he was living in LA and he was living with me. Um, so we had great, we, as a family, we talked those open conversations. We have family calls every Sunday. We had a family call before the Sunday of his, the Monday of his death. Like we talked openly, shoot, shoot and shit. You know, they were debating and arguing, whatever the case may be. That was a norm for us. Um, but the foundation is in part, ends in part, in whole, inspired by him, mm. inspired by what he was going through and experiencing. And they used some of the steps, what we want to be able to get to. We were blessed with gifts of people pouring into us. We were like, okay, we, we didn't really want donations and such. And then we decided, impressed upon one of his good friends to go, please take this because people are asking what to do. So we did do a GoFundMe, but the intent was, yeah, we'll defray a couple of costs here and there, but more importantly, that we'll give back to somebody else that needs it. Somebody mm-hmm. else needs to be able to get the help they need. Chris got the help he needed, but he was struggling coming out of pocket. So that was, you know, Hard, we'll talk yeah. about one of the barriers that we we don't want there to be a barrier to people to get help. Young people, and I say young people, that 18 to 35, kind of the sweet spot is where we're seeing more deaths occur um, in our community and culture. So. Black and brown young men are not being able to get the help they need. That's what been one deterrent. So that's one of our pillars to make sure we get uh, funds to people that need to get therapy. So we're providing grants for that. Mm. Um, the other piece of the foundation is removing the stigma. You went back and you asked about, did we talk about it in our home? Absolutely not. It was not discussed in black homes by and large. Black people don't have mental illness. <laughs> we that's that was, we just have that because we, we know. Right. Can't be around. Start, right. 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 So I want to be able to have conversations, start breaking the stigma. Behind what is mental health? So understanding mental health and mental illness, because we we get we respond that way as people because we don't know and we don't understand. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we don't talk. And we can't intelligently talk about it because we don't know. Right. So mm-hmm. let's just start being able to break the stigma about mental health. Everybody's not crazy. There's varying degrees of mental health and there's varying types of mental health disorders um, and illnesses. Um, so we're going to work with advocates and uh, people in the mental health space, academia or practicing literacy to help bring those messages and awareness and content. But beyond having the information, it's what do we do with it? So ours is just like, let's start taking action behind that. What can we do to start allowing our people within our community? Again, young black, brown, um, 
people of color to be able to speak about it? And then what do we do to help move on it? How do we start getting ourselves heat up to be intelligently being able to respond or to have these conversations? Um, Um, You all also made a very deliberate decision to be honest about Chris's um, death. What, why did you decide to do that? Because I know a lot of people would probably would have been like, oh, he he passed away, but no details. But you were very transparent. and I talked about it in a way because I was reading about it. I was just reading about the studies behind there's more black people and people of color to commit suicide than mm-hmm. not. And the coroners even, they don't have enough information about us. It's not disclosed. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a disparaging in death. Like we're also excluded in death with information. But I asked my husband, and I've asked this before, I, I found it because people are going, you guys have been very transparent. Thank you for being there. I was like, what else could we be? What am I going to say? Chris just died, and there's no other. But people are going to ask questions. I, it never was a question for us. Yeah. It really wasn't ever. He, he, it was probably harder for us to say, but it was never. He took his life. I, I, I don't know how else I would have so. It seemed very odd to me. I literally was talking to Mr. Vaughn about it on the way here to go, what else would we say? How was that so not acceptable? And uh, But then I read other stuff and people saying because of the judgment that's posed upon the shame. Yeah, I am not ashamed of my black, brown, beautiful, smart, dynamic young men. They, he, had an illness and, and it's an illness. This is the other piece of mind yeah. and wellness to understand the connectivity. My head's not separated from my body. Right. right. It's interconnected. All trauma felt is felt everywhere. It's felt everywhere. I feel it. I felt it before, but more so than ever as I'm going through, I was describing to people going like, I am in physical. I've been in the point I'm in today in physical pain mm. um, because of the trauma. Um, we talked about, We'll talk about the nutritional point. I wanted to take, we wanted to take all aspects to go, not just about the mental health, but what can we do even before the, of the self-care? What are we doing with ourselves when we talk about what we eat? There are sugars that we know that share mood, um, that causes mood disorder. Mm-hmm. Just like that whole, I wish, yeah. and you know, that in schools they would have taught us better when we're talking about health and why nutrition was so important to understand. Nutrition is important, not just for our physical, right. but it is definitely impactful to your mental. So, and we're in, in within mind and wellness, we're talking about the whole person and it's like, you can come there for mental health kind of resources, tools, tips, information, but I want us to be able to walk away and take away to go, oh, I didn't think about when I eat this, that this is how I feel mm-hmm. or how it could impact my body. So just looking at it holistically, right. for sure. Is there a void that you felt was missing in the mental health space that you're trying to ho- to fill with this? Uh... Hmm, That's a big hole. Okay. Mm-hmm. And there's multi-layers to the mental health thing. You know, I was talking to somebody about advocacy and like, you don't speak up about it too. It's on your, I was filling out a, a DMV application yesterday to mm-hmm. get my renewal, whatever you call it, card, and, and it asks you that mental health, do you suffer from mental health disorder? I know I've seen it before, but people, that's a, vo- it's not even a void. It's a, this needs to be addressed. Why are you asking me this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if I check yes, what does that mean? What does right. that mean? Mm-hmm. Not that there's a void. There's a, not a space for me to go. I'm not, a, you know, I'm not okay. But again, there's varying degrees of mental disorder. Yeah. So there's not one that's applicable. What are you trying to see? Does it affect my job? Does it affect me driving? Does it, 
why are you asking me this? Right. How are you using this information? Right. right. Mm-hmm. A void in being, mm-hmm. a, oh, big void in terms of accessibility yeah. to care. Okay. So we talk about accessibility to care because um, insurance coverages, again, I've had sort of for a little, a, a while to go, it only covers eight sessions. Yeah. Wow. How do you know if it's right. going to take me eight right. sessions to get through this or that it even your insurance doesn't even offer uh-huh. anymore? More than not of recent insurances don't cover mental uh, mental health care or behavioral, whatever you want to ca- call it, yeah. behavioral science care. Um, that's a void to me. Mm. And it's great for I have insurance, use my insurance. I can get to it. It still costs me a grip to have yeah. a care provider myself. I think it's a void for young people. I think it's more per- where you're at access, understanding where to go to get that help. Right. So the communication accessibility of it. Um, and then I think it just, again, that barrier of cost makes it prohibitive mm-hmm. for people to get the help to go. I can't afford that. Mm-hmm. I, I can't, I'm going to eat this week or I'm going to care. And obviously eating is paramount. However, long-term impact of not getting that care is, you know, right would be a, a deal breaker. Okay. Sure. Um, so how can those that are interested in supporting the foundation or utilizing the services of the foundation um, find the help that they're looking for or support? So go to the website for sure. Um, we'll start there. I think we, we go to the website. It's mindandwellnessfoundation.org. Um, we're on Instagram um, at mindandwellness.org the mind and wellness foundation on Facebook and then mind and wellness underscore foundation on IG starting points. We're new. Like this is three months mm-hmm. we're building we have great resources, but then there's some that can, I can't find it. So help share that it's there, help share why it's there. I think the grant pieces we really like, we want people to know it's there for accessibility and it's, it's confidential. There's an application process for sure. It's a short application process. You need to either have a provider you're connected with. If you don't have a provider, obviously um, we're building a database and we're leveraging use of our other colleagues in the space mm-hmm. because we don't need to reinvent the wheel. We right. just need to tighten the network. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there are uh, doctors, uh, therapists, uh, professionals in that network we're building. And it, again, I talk about, I'm a mother of three black Kings, but we're looking at people of color. There's one resource and accessibility for Latinos, um, for Asian American, um, trying to get into that native American space and trying to leverage. So we're talking about the blanket of people of color. There is also, this is not limiting to just people of color though. Again, our, our environment is diverse. Our friends, our friends are, um, our, our, our Caucasian brothers and sisters, right? So there's accessibility through, you know, through the norms, but for us, culturally competent accessibility, you know, access yeah. to culturally competent therapists and stuff. And that environment is on the website. So, you know, come there. In an emergency though, uh, and it says it right off the bat though, this is not, we're not the people to come to if you're in crisis. Right. Mm-hmm. If you're in crisis mode, I need you to call that 988 or I need you to call, you know, the national hope number if you're in crisis well thank you for coming and sharing 
with Thank us. Thank you. Thank Appreciate you. Guys. The story yeah. is so necessary. I'm so thankful that you wanted to share it with us. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Me guys. too. And minimal tears. So I appreciate it. <laughs> 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 he did it. <laughs> and today, guys, surprise, surprise, we have a sponsor. Hey, hey. About time, about time, about time. <laughs> I don't know this. Um, our sponsor for today is Naovi. Uh, they are uh, Novell Applications of Vital Information. So we just want to say thank you to our sponsor for uh, allowing us to have our first, first of all. And secondly, to be able to say that we have somebody supporting what we're doing. We appreciate you. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. So we have another special guest with us here. Hey. It is Latasha Pennant. She is a licensed clinical and professional counselor. Um, her business is called Building Blocks Counseling and Wellness in Maryland. Um, and uh, the services that she provides are life transitions, I guess, counseling services for life transitions, anxiety, depression and stress, trauma and attachment, relationship discord and inner critic and low self-esteem. Mm. Wow. I feel like. I suffer from all of these, so maybe wow. I should be calling you. Yes. Um, right. Do, do you serve well, the whole DMV? <laughs> <laughs> or, or just Maryland? Just Maryland for now. Oh, oh, oh. You have open. I'm not trying to relocate. Yeah. Right. Well, thank you for being here with yeah. us today. Yeah. Um, we want to play a quick game with you. It's called This or That. Okay. Um, so I have 10 quick questions for you. Um, toilet paper, over or under? Over. Oh. Mm. Uh, touch or taste? Um, this is not a loaded question. Um, <laughs> Depends on the like My senses are working, so I'm like touchy taste. <laughs> touchy <laughs> taste. <laughs> so both of them. Permission or forgiveness? Oh, permission. Um, okay. <laughs> I feel like as a therapist, that tracks. That tracks. <laughs> but you would also tracks if you thought it was sad. Why are you sounding sad <laughs> over there? I would do what I want. I no. literally haven't shut this up. I don't ask permission. <laughs> okay. Sounds right. Anyway, I'm done. Um, Sounds you dangerous. can only watch your favorite movie every night for a year or never watch the same movie twice. Never watch the same movie twice. I'm good right. with that. Um, your teacher reads your text messages aloud or your teacher tells the whole class, class your grade. The teacher tells the class my grade. Same sis. Because um, it's going to be an A anyway. So you right? to say you need to say right. Right. Text messages though? Don't read yeah. that. Um, free travel for one year or free lodging for five years? Free travel for a year. Okay. Mm. Um, see the future or change the past? Ooh. Change the past. Oh, oh interesting. Wow. Okay, we're going to have to dive into that. Yeah, I want to ask that for um, Okay, can we really quickly? Because as a, um, a counselor, I would assume that you would say not change the past because of maybe accepting where you are currently? Like, why did you say yeah. change the path? Oh, so, um, so that is such a loaded question for me. Um, Fannie Lou Hamer is one of my spirit guides. And so for me to see the past and to change the past definitely shapes the future. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So oh, if yeah. I can only see the future, but not have any imprint mm -hmm. on how it impacts, you know, people, yeah. uh, it, it doesn't nice. feel as empowering. Okay. And right. also from a mental health perspective, part of like, you know, what I help clients bring into um, realization is like what they experience from the past, because that truly impacts like how we navigate and how we move forward in life. Right. So past is very powerful. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. Mm. I like that. Was that. Okay. This wasn't That's part of the game, word. but I like that. Okay. Would you rather talk like Yoda or breathe like Dark Vader for the rest of your life? <laughs> <What>? <laughs> so smokers. I, I'm gonna go with um 
breathe like Dark Vader. Maybe there's some meditation <laughs> or something in there that I can, some you know, breath with some breath work. Yes. I'm with that. All right. Okay. Smartest person in the world or richest person in the world? Smartest. Mm-hmm. That's a toughie for me. You're smart. You can get rich. Because yeah, because oh, I can that's get the true. Rich, right? Wow, you're right. <laughs> if you rich, you can hire smart people. Back. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, you can't trust. You, you can't, can't trust you everybody. Have a lot of money and that money be gone because you right. you weren't smart enough to recognize Maintain it when you were getting ripped How off. How did I get it? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's another loaded question there. Okay, very last one. Would you rather have ten thousand spoons when all you need is a knife? Or always have a knife, but never be able to use a spoon. I can get down with a knife. Yeah, yeah we might be a minimalist. So <laughs> the idea of having all that baggage and yeah, yeah, give me one thing, I'll make it work. Okay, okay. 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 you're animal because you like knives. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Just like, like I keep one on me all the time. <laughs> stay, stay ready, so you don't have to get ready. <laughs> but dang, but now I'm like, dang, I really want a spoon. And I'll never have a spoon. But if you guess you don't know a spoon. You can still scoop things with a knife if you need to. But you can't, can't, how are you going to eat soup? You drink you it. You slurp it. Just pick you don't need a utensil for yeah. it. But how are you going to cut things if all you got are spoons? Oh, bougie self. See? I don't know. How are you going to protect yourself? Okay. Well, I was okay. thinking about, I thought eating, <laughs> not like self-defense. Can I, can I ask a question? Multifaceted. What? When you ask the Yoda and Darth Vader <laughs> thing, in my mind, I'm like, what if she had a voice like Chewbacca instead? <laughs> 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 Sorry. <laughs> All right. What? Maybe we should bring it back to our actual topic at hand. Thank you for playing our game with us. Would it be us if we didn't, Andrew? It wouldn't. No. I enjoyed it. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. What are we going to do? Laughter is healing. Yes, yes, yes. Had to break the ice a little bit. Oh, yeah. goodness. Okay. All right. So back on track. I have a question, obviously. <laughs> what inspired you to become a therapist and how did you get into this field? Ooh, so, you know, um, I like to say I'm a jack of all trades. I used to say master of none, and now I say master of being busy. So, <laughs> okay. okay. So, I actually spent 20 years in the Coast Guard, retired from the Coast Guard. Oh, wow. um, post um, my time in the Coast Guard, that's when I had an opportunity to kind of explore, like, okay, what's next? And um, I see, like, you know, these beautiful natural hairs. And so I used to be a sister law consultant. Oh, okay. And so during that experience, you know, I had an opportunity to, like, really connect. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always just kind of, like, innately been a nurturer. So, you know, just conversating with individuals, I kind of felt like, okay, this feels good. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I have two daughters, so I was a Girl Scout leader. So I was always in that helping capacity, kind of serving. And so I was like, okay, school counseling, kids, school counseling. Went into the school building. I was like, oh. <laughs> not quite that. Uh, not for me. I think not I'm close. I think I'm close. About them children. <laughs> I think I'm close. It wasn't the kids. It wasn't the kids. It was grown people, right? Are you backing on your song of the week? I love The kids are great. It's the grown people. And uh, so after, you know, 20 years in the military, you know, um, you, you, you learn how to be what you need to be in the moment. And so... Getting out of the Coast Guard is like, okay, I'm a free spirit here. I say a lot of things that, you know, the hierarchy doesn't quite appreciate. Mm. So I knew like that structure wasn't quite for me. And so um, I was like, you know what? But I still love helping people. And so just opening up my own practice and being able to practice in a way. And I saw this in the school, like, you know, decolonizing, like how we show up as mental health professionals. 
Um, that's it. really what allowed me to oh, go yeah. in as mm. the practitioner that I'm becoming. Okay. And so um, Can you unpack what that means? Yeah, decolonizing. Yeah. Oh, wow. So um, so if you say it, you'll probably mm. feel into like what that means. Right. Mm. Because part of like how we show up as individuals, um, it, it is because how we've been reared. Um, we live in a society where, you know, something happened on this land before we even arrive. And so um, when we talk about the past, right, the past literally comes forward and lives mm -hmm. through us. And so decolonizing is an opportunity to kind of reclaim, you know, what was lost, what was kind of muddied up and, you know, what was disconnected from, you know, um, people. And so um, it just gives me the opportunity to, you know, move away from the textbook style where it says like, you know what, let's just talk about like, mm -hmm. what happened. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and let's only talk about it. Mm. But <laughs> we are like storytellers as people. So the uh, medical model doesn't always yeah, work, you right. know, so just having that flexibility to really um, practice in a way that aligns with, you know, um, the essence of really like who people are and the people I serve. I typically serve, you know, um, BIPOC individuals, mm -hmm. black, indigenous people of color, um, marginalized people. So um, just being able to allow them to show up in a space that doesn't judge, that accepts, that doesn't put them in a box, that's the first start to decol mm. decolonizing it because you can authentically be like who you are mm -hmm. and it's absolutely well. Mm. Love that. So is there a separate, because a friend of mine, she actually stopped, she was in school to be um, a social security worker and a therapist. She stopped going because same thing you said, she felt like she was too boxed in to help. Because I guess of the um, certain things and procedures that um, I guess doctors have to go through. So do you have like a separate type of like what did you do to get to your practice so it's not so boxed in? Yeah. So, you know, the academic structure is the academic structure, right? You kind of have to walk that path in order to um, get the document that says now you can move forward and you can practice in this way. Um, but there are so many different ways to, you know, um, to help people heal outside of this path that we're talking about, which requires licensure. But for me, like I did have to go through that process and I didn't know what I didn't know. It wasn't until I started serving the community that I realized that the tools that I was given were not yeah. necessarily applicable to the people that I was trying to serve. Mm -hmm. And so once you kind of break outside of that space, then you start to see like, oh, wow. There are other blueprints like, yeah. you know, our ancestors left us with, mm, you know, yeah. you know, evidence and trails that show us like how we heal ourselves, how we heal as community, how we heal nature within nature and the world. So these models have always existed. And so part of the process of decolonizing is to say that all those processes, all those practices that were taboo, that were, you know, considered less than like. They are acceptable and they're welcome and they're effective. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's really just kind of, you know, um, allowing myself to, you know, um, have permission to explore what was really already there. Mm -hmm. But wasn't necessarily presented to me in a textbook. Right. Right. Yeah. It was never meant right. to be in a textbook. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, that was so, hard. Word of mouth. Yeah. Family, yeah. interfamily situations. Versus it's, it's, a, it's, it's that human to human right. exchange. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, um, braiding. Right. We don't always go to school to learn how to braid. Some right. do, but for the most part, like that's something that just gets in that's your bones down. and mm -hmm. you, you know how to do it. Well, for some of us. <laughs> I missed that black girl class <laughs> really and I'm really nice. sorry about it. Was it. Was You're class. not alone. <laughs> 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 that wasn't one. Like, you know, you have somebody in the community. My mm -hmm. girls always sit in between somebody else's legs okay. because yeah. my hands didn't quite work that way. Yeah. But 
the point is, is that somebody <laughs> yes. in the community knew how, how to, to do, do yes, absolutely. and provide the service that you need. Yes, and Tiffany. So, yes. Yes. Yeah. It wasn't shade. I just was, I, I still can't corner. Oh, you're not That's alone. Sorry, hit a nerve. As many presses as I've given, I, I don't saying, know how to cornrow. I barely know how to plait. Like it, I'm it determined starts. to learn. Well. And I mentioned before, <laughs> I was a sister lock consultant. Yeah, so, what does that mean? So so I did sister locks, like literally locks. And, and I'm sitting here mm-hmm. saying like, I'm not a hair person and I'm really not. But, you know, it was kind of like knitting. So it, was, um, it, it even shows oh. that people who don't have like the natural capacity to do something are capable of learning. And that's essentially what I did. You know, um, I put in the work and I was able to do it. And I had family members calling. It's like, somebody's going to pay you to touch their hair. Like, that's really like (laughs) how much it was known. Like, that that was not my trait. Mm -hmm. And then (laughs) practice, learned, and I became really good at it. But that just kind of shows like the power of, you know, um, Mm. putting your mind to something Mm. and then just allowing yourself to kind of be immersed with the right people Mm. who are going to support and nurture like you being able to come into that gift. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Yeah. Okay, so I'll jump right into it. Um, how do you define mental health? So um, there's uh, so many, there are so many things that fall like under mental health. Yeah. And so sometimes people say like mental health, <laughs> mental wellness, you know, mental disorders. So for me, mental health is really just like the fitness in which we show up. And we all have like, you know, um, mental health. You know, just like we have physical health that comes with like certain abilities, our mental health is just really like, how are we able to show up? Mm. And we have the ability to strengthen our mental health. You know, you can kind of recognize like, okay, the areas in which you struggle, but then there's also the ability to bring awareness around, you know, um, how can I strengthen? So um, every person has mental health um, and it's, it's, it's just a matter of you know, what's going on with your mental health, right. if you will. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you touched on mental illness and mental disorder. How, what are the different, what's the differentiation between those two things? Yeah. Some of it has to do with like the medical model. So, um, you know, mm-hmm. in, when, when you're working with like insurance companies, you know, diagnosing is, is like a must, you know, you, you can't get around it. And that's kind of like, you know, the process also of decolonizing therapy Um, is not having to give people like a diagnosis. So when we say, you know, a mental health um, disorder, it's usually going to be connected with what we refer to as the the DSM. And that's where we get the diagnosis for identifying, you know, what particular, you know, illness a person may have and what Mm. those symptoms are. So the illness and the diagnosis, um, along with the disorder can be um, grouped together, but in some ways they're, they're, they're also separate. So you can have a mental disorder in the sense that, you know, it could be something that you're born with, right? Um, <clears throat> neurological, um, but it could also be something that's environmental. Um, and we don't often talk about environmental, like racial mental health and how it impacts people, but, you know, um, it, it's so it's so layered, just yeah. as, you know, with anything with but the terms um, that we use um, are very much connected to like how you're talking about that particular, um, I guess, it, or how you're speaking to that situation, whether you're trying to diagnose or if you're just trying to identify, right. you know, what a particular problem might be okay. and how it's impacting. Got you. you very naturally flowed into my next question, which was um, asking about like the differences between having like a chemical imbalance and what falls in under those lines versus what may be like a situational event that incurs some sort of um, mental, I don't want to misuse illness or disorder, but um, whatever, like if a, if a crisis is happening, if it is 
steeped in just how your your brain operates versus if something happened and it impacted you and kind of created the situation. So, 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 so that question is, is, is very layered and, um, <laughs> why well, I had a hard time asking it. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and it just really speaks to just how complex we are as beings mm. and how things impact us. And so part of what my, um, mind hears in that question is when someone has what we might consider a traumatic experience, right. And they're responding to that. Versus when you say someone has um, a chemical imbalance. And when I think about chemical imbalance, I, I, I tend to think about something very different from perhaps what you might be referring okay. to. Because uh, when, when people think about a person maybe who has um, bipolar schizophrenia, oftentimes they think, oh, there's some imbalance in the body, a chemical imbalance. And it's really not mm. uh, a chemical imbalance. It's something different that's going on. It's, it's not like, you know, my hormones, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where, you know, you, you genuinely can have as a result of having too much estrogen or, you know, progesterone, like it can impact you depending like on your, on your gender. Um, but not so much when we talk about <coughs> like mental health in, in that way. It's, it's not just, it, it's, it's really more biological okay. in terms of what's happening, you know, within that person's body. And oftentimes um, I think, because there's not um, an appreciation to what's happening internally when someone is having like a mental health crisis, um, people often think that there are certain things that they can do to kind of tame it, right? Because if there's a chemical imbalance, okay, right. we'll give something to counter it, right? right. It should go away. Well, right. it's not always that simple, mm-hmm. you know, because it's not just a quote unquote imbalance. And, and then part of it also is like who defines an imbalance? Right. Mm-hmm. When you Talk to people mm. who have, you know, personality disorders, you know, bipolar, schizophrenia for them. They feel very normal. Mm. We see them as being abnormal. So therefore, we want to kind of put them in this spot. Right. Mm-hmm. Same with individuals who might be on the spectrum. Like they feel that they are normal. We see them as being, you know, um Unnormal, not normal, if mm-hmm. you will, because they don't typically follow like the normal mode and way mm-hmm. of being. And same way when you go back to classroom, right? There is this perception of how students should sit and how students should behave in a classroom. And when a student has a little bit more energy, oh, that student has ADHD. Oh, that student has mm-hmm. behavior mm-hmm. issues. Mm-hmm. And so I think being able to fully understand the, um, the human experience mm. um, is 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 one that requires that we show up with with empathy, compassion, and an openness mm. um, to everyone's uniqueness. Because if we try to see people through like a box, right, we're going to try to put them in something. And sometimes, like that's going to create mm. that agitation. That's going to yeah. create like this person wanting to like get out. And what looks like a person who's being combative is really a person who's saying like, no. I don't like this, you know, box yeah. that you're putting me in. Yeah. And so, um, so I, I can appreciate the question that's being asked. Um, I certainly can. Um, but I think it's definitely much more layered than just, you know, um, a chemical imbalance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so because you're, that term implies that something's wrong with them, I guess, is when you're, when you say there's an imbalance, you're, you're saying something's <laughs> wrong, but they're not we're only saying they're wrong based on what's been taught is not normal. Is that what you're saying? So, so I guess to the chemo- when I hear chemical imbalance, I think this is also part of my own trigger. I think within the medical community, if you're starting to hear more about like, you know, medical marijuana, 
and, you know, other, you know, um, medicinal aids, right? Um, to me, it kind of feeds into that idea. If we just give people more medication, mm-hmm. then somehow, again, they're going to return to what looks like normalcy. Um, within like the um, population of, of individuals being on Medicaid, which is typically underserved communities, you have a lot of children who are in foster care who are overly medicated because someone said there is a chemical imbalance. And it's not just a chemical imbalance. We're talking about trauma. We're talking about lived experience. We're talking about environmental factors that truly impact um, how a person shows up. And so I guess for me, and again, I'm going to own that. uh, (laughs) When when I hear that chemical imbalance to me, it just it 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 feels like it gives um, Western, you know, um, practitioners you know, a green light again to go ahead and move forward with saying, like, this is why this is so great for us to continue to prescribe. Mm-hmm. It takes us right back to that, you know, um, control factor, but using like medication, but pharma is connected to, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. something yeah. That, 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 that's totally different, you know, and it and, and moves away from, has the ability to help. And I'm not suggesting that there are not times, there are absolutely times where medication is warranted. But be, with the people that I typically work with, marginalized communities, children in foster care, they're typically over-medicated yeah. because someone has deemed um, their behaviors um, can be controlled with medication because of perceived like, imbalance. Uh, so what can cause a mental health crisis? Uh, just getting up. Mm. You ever had one of well, those mornings? Okay. <laughs> well, yes. well, right? I mean, that's the reality, right? Crises then, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I have this saying that say life is hard because life is hard. Yeah. And um, sometimes we just don't know like when we're going to experience like that toughness of life. You know, you can just, you know, and sometimes people come like, you know, I was in the shower and I started crying and I didn't even know why because mm. life was happening. And so the body was saying there's something here. There's right. something that's happening. There's a story mm-hmm. to be told. There's an experience to, to be witnessed. There's some awareness that needs to come forward. Right. So really like the simple things in life, you know, can, can cause us to experience distress. Um, and, and we may not even realize that the things that in the environments we're in are impacting our bodies. Right. And when we talk about like vicarious trauma, you know, that, that also, that's also very real. You know, I'm looking around the room and I'm looking at the, the, the makeup and I'm imagining that many of us are very careful about what we watch on the news, mm. what we scroll through and what we see on social media, paying very, um, uh, being very attentive to not come across those articles that talk about fill in the blank. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that that's showing that even though um, we are making efforts to avoid that's because it's connected to a narrative that's in our body. And so when you wake up, you know, and, 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 and you have this moment in life and, and it's kind of you're feeling heavy and just kind of like out of tune. And you're thinking, like, wow, I have, I'm, I'm fed. My family loves me. You know, this and that. It might not even be something that you experience, but something that, you know, is impacting someone else because mm. we are collective beings. Mm. Right. Yeah. And so that connection to others, we're able to you know, sense into like, you know, their experiences and that impacts us, you know, um, there, there, there's so many things. Um, and, and we talk about like bullying, you know, um, and, and, 
And people, older people typically say, well, when we were in school, like we didn't have bullying. You did. You just didn't know it. Right. How old were they? They got through it in a very different way. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. some of that implies that this generation now is not as tough. It's not as strong. They're too sensitive. But really what our kids are saying is that not only because things get passed down, they're saying, not only am I holding the pain that you think that you didn't experience, mm. I'm also holding mine. Mm. And so when we minimize that, right, with our kids and when we don't take action, you know, um, kids are left to feel powerless and hopeless. And so sometimes that can be the onset of like, you know, um, what will lead to mental health, you know, um, illnesses for them, you know, um, and I love working with parents because I think as adults, we we sometimes don't fully appreciate like the power we have. Like most jobs, you know, will have um, the opportunity for you to file a grievance if someone has done you wrong. Mm-hmm. And you can expect that if someone touched you inappropriately, said something inappropriately, like if that person, you know, on Monday was sitting next to you, chances are by Tuesday, they're no longer sitting right. by you. We don't afford our kids that same opportunity. When someone's bullying them on the bus, we give them instructions like, well, you know, ignore it or, you know, go tell somebody. But we still put them on that bus day Mm -hmm. in and day out. And so there's a lot that we're asking our kids to hold. And I think just bringing some awareness to how powerless kids can be. And so Mm -hmm. sometimes the choices that they make to either, you know, um, self-harm or either to you know, abuse drugs or either to, you know, escape mentally um, in class. And, and, and that leads to them not performing academically. Those are the things that are within their little sphere of control right? because they don't have the ability to say, I'm not going to get on the bus because of the consequences. Right. Similarly to, you know, with adults, you know, um, in the workplace and, and maybe I'm speaking for myself in the military. I know we had a lot of training around like, you know, sexual assault um, training and, you know, just how to show up. and it's like adults didn't just arrive, you know, with these behaviors they were learned. Yeah. And so when you walk through the school buildings and you see like, you know, girls getting patted on the butt or, you know, squeezed inappropriately. And, and, and I would witness this like is that shock factor of like, what do I do with this? Mm. But yet you have like groups of people who are saying like, no, we want we don't want to talk about sex in school. Right. Mm-hmm. But then when we get to the workplace, now we have all these rules and we have to go back and, you know, have adults unlearn mm-hmm. like what we didn't <laughs> right. you know, properly right. teach them as it relates to boundaries and respecting other people. So, I mean, it's so layered in terms of like how and when, you know, um, these moments impact because of what looks like something small to an adult that a child should get over, that child carries that forward into mm. like adult. Hood. And so, um, so again, very layered in terms of like, you know, what causes us to, you know, experience, um, you know, a mental health crisis. Okay. Uh, what would you say are the most common mental illnesses or disorders that you see? I typically see individuals that um, are battling anxiety, okay. anxiety, which leads to stress, which leads to fatigue and it's usually connected to you know some experience that has occurred and the overactive thinking the intrusive thoughts the ruminating thoughts can be very exhausting for people the inner critic so anxiety I would say is definitely something that um, the vast majority of people that I um, support um, suffer Suffer from yeah so when is it so so I suffer from anxiety but I always thought that this was normal like I thought being stressed out overthinking, intrusive thoughts were like, I thought everyone did that. 
until um, I remember I was having a very low moment, had a breakdown. I called them. I was like, hey, guys, do you experience this? And they were like, no. <laughs> or like not to the, the degree that I was experiencing in that moment. I was like, oh, so this is not normal. So like, when is it like these are, I don't know, being an adult, like there are going to be stressors in life just growing up versus a diagnosis situation where you actually dealing with something that can be, um, I guess, counterproductive to going through life. Yeah, anxiety um, is very natural, something that we all experience. And so um, I think um, what we refer to as um, what is like a window of tolerance. It's like what your body is able to manage without, you know, other things being impacted, right? Mm -hmm. um, so when you kind of move out of what we refer to as a window of tolerance, that is when like additional resources are needed to, you know, um, help manage like what's occurring in that moment. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and it's unique, you know, um, I think the beauty of like counseling is that each person gets to understand their unique nervous system because what might be a stressor for you may not be a stressor for someone else. Mm -hmm. What may invoke anxious feelings for one person may not render um, someone else to be anxious. And so um, that's where that, that self-awareness comes in when you start to realize like I'm unable to, to do something because of the anxiety or it's limiting me, mm. you know, or you can physically feel it. Like most people when they um, are um, having anxiety attack or when, when the anxiety is becoming too much, you can feel it with anxiety. There's mm. a certain fatigue. Um, there's a certain um, maybe uh, way of thinking that comes along with it. Um, that's outside of like what your normal range of function would be. And so I think when when those things start to occur, um, that's when it's time to consider getting some support um, to give you resources around how to uh, better manage. So <clears throat> what would you say to someone who, like Carol mentioned, you know, she thought that some of what she was experiencing was normal. So at what point, I mean, do you have any thoughts on at what point people identify what is not normal? Like what mm. what is a norm? Yeah. You know, um, one of the things I'm often amazed by is um, just how resilient and adaptable we are. as People oftentimes when, you know, um, individuals are in counseling, they come to me for something that's happening in the moment, meaning like, you know, I can't stay focused on my job or, you know, um, maybe they're having uh, present day relationship issues. They're not, you know, that that's typically what's bringing them in. But once we start to go through the process of really unpacking and helping them to understand, you know, how past experiences are influencing present day. Oftentimes when we are looking at that, those past moments, individuals are typically unaware that something happened that should not have happened mm -hmm. or something happened too fast or too soon or something didn't happen. So when children weren't properly nurtured, it's like, oh, well, you know, that no big deal. You know, um, I, I would just go to the store like at five and, you know, um, get some food. OK, well, children at five typically are not responsible for feeding themselves and the choice of food. So, so this individual might present with, you know, um, overextending themselves, like not knowing how to not help other people. Right. And so in the relationship, you know, they may find themselves, the symptom present day might be like, you know, I don't know how to, you know, um, 
have good boundaries. I don't know how to not, you know, put other people before myself. And, and it's because, you know, I see you over there, right? And okay. so, um, but the beauty of it is, is when we bring awareness to it, right? When we talked about going back to the mm-hmm. past to kind of influence and shape the landscape of like what happens in the future. Like, that's why I love like being a counselor is because I can make those connections. I can help people, you know, um, learn some things that they weren't taught, bring perspective so they can live life in a way that is meaningful for them, right? So choices, empowerment, and just the ability to show up in a way that's fulfilling um, it is, it's possible. Right? possible. Who told us yeah. we could do this episode without <laughs> tissues? Right. <laughs> I don't even know. We even had a moment to take this on. It still didn't go get none. Right. Yeah. Oh, don't cry, friend. Oh. It's okay. Uh, tears, uh, you know, I, I always say all emotions are welcome. You know, <laughs> yeah. the, the tears have a story. You know, so so you're never going to hear me as a therapist saying, stop that. I rejoice. I'd be like, yes, let your tears tell their story. Feel into them. You know, they, they have a story as well. Yeah. They have a story. Um, you mentioned your anxiety being one of the top ones that you see. Uh, would that be one? And is there two others, like the top three mental, common mental diseases, uh, illnesses in, the, in America? So I would say common, you know, things that people are experiencing is stress or anxiety, um, depression um, and stress. And that stress is connected to feelings of being overwhelmed. Mm, Okay. So would you um, consider stress an illness or disorder? So I would consider stress is something that happens to us that can lead to, Mm, you know, um, a mental health, you know, um, uh, illness. Okay. Uh, amongst young adults, like 18 to 35, is that still the most common? Or is there others that you find with younger, that young, that, that age range? I would say across the board. Across the board. Across okay. the board. Okay. Yeah, across the board. Ooh, we're dealing with it in America then. Okay. Yeah. But when you think about what anxiety is, right? Anxiety is something that's happening in our mm. And we are not taught how to drop down into our body, right? And so when I'm saying, like, let the yeah. tears come, right? Yeah. And you were like, oh, get some tissue, get some tissue, right? That, that's part of it. We, we, we are in many ways not given permission to feel the vast emotions that we have. Like our tears have stories. There's sadness, there's joy. And then sometimes there's just flushing out, right? Mm. So our bodies are complex. And so we need to be able to bring awareness to every part of like and, and how we show up there's a purpose, there's a reason. And so when we say, like, don't cry, right? Like in some ways, then the next thing is like, okay, let me go back to, let me hear, um, let me make myself stop crying. Let me, right. so, so now we're putting our, we're putting people right back into the space right. that's right. fueling the anxiety because now you got to think about like, okay, why am I crying? Like, yeah. How can I stop crying? Right. Right? Yeah. And so again, just, just feeling into it because I've never seen a person that was not able to stop crying, right? So if we give ourselves space and permission to cry, at some point, the tears will stop. Right. They really will. But on their own. Right. right. And same with anger. Like you never see a person who's having a tantrum. Like they literally will exhaust themselves or probably pass out. Go to sleep. Yes. If it goes on for too long. <laughs> right. And so oftentimes, you know, we want to snatch kids up real quick. Like, Don't do that. Get up. Get up. Get up. OK. All right. I- I've learned how to be patient, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because when we say like you can't express that anger. You know, um, what do we then want to happen with the energy of the anger? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what do we do with that energy? 
And it's energy. It really is energy. Yeah. It's energy. Yeah. That's so interesting. I, I feel like I have this conversation a lot with uh, my husband about like, I'm a crier by nature. It is like the first emotion that I go to. Like it's the first way that like I express probably too many emotions <laughs> that don't involve crying at all, but it's still <laughs> the mode in which it comes out. And so like, just like trying to relay like a lot of, sometimes the conversations go to like, how do we get to like a, a point where like this you don't have to get to this point and i'm like but this is the first point mm. like this is like this is this is i'm still good here you know what i mean like if we're getting to somewhere else then i'm not good but here is like the natural place for me to go right so it's okay like you it doesn't have to feel like negative i know it can look like or like that is like our natural reflexes to like try to like okay i want to mitigate that from mm -hmm. happening but like for me it just is like no this is sometimes it just like I'm a, I have to stress like if I'm really stressed I have to stress cry and then okay now I can get shit done right. yeah. <laughs> but like, before that point sometimes I'm like I don't that energy has to leave yeah. mm -hmm. and so you know um a question that you can us and this might stop him for a little bit is that you know um, <laughs> he's over he's there here. No, he's here oh where is he is he really sensing into your discomfort or is is your crying making him uncomfortable Right. What's coming up in him that when he sees you crying causes him to feel as if he has to suppress that. And so sometimes we have to be able to discern, like, am I uncomfortable seeing you in pain? Because you're, you seem like you're good with your crying. Right. I mean, sometimes. Sometimes. Right? sometimes. And, 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 yeah. It, it's part of you. You, re you recognize that that is how your body is mm -hmm. responding. Right. So sometimes when we, you know, want to, you know, kind of get people to be okay, whatever that looks like. It's like, okay, am I responding to like their discomfort or is this me not wanting to be uncomfortable? Mm, right. I think sometimes too, though, it's like wanting to know how to help. Like I want to know how to like not fix it, but I want to know, like I want to acknowledge your tears also. Like I don't want to see you crying and then just be like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you done like what is the appropriate way to respond or like what, if, what a support look yeah, like in what, that moment yeah, exactly. right. but see when you say you done you haven't really checked in with yourself right like so i so, mean i'm so, facetious he doesn't right, do it but but my point is like when you check in with yourself it's not gonna look like you done right it's, right. it's gonna mm. be a very different yeah. like response because you're gonna be like what's coming up within me that's mm -hmm. causing me to feel like yes. uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so um, that, that's kind of that, that self-awareness piece, you know, sometimes it's like, it, it's hard for us to see other people cry or, or to be sad. And it's like, okay, well, why? Mm -hmm. you know, is it okay to, uh, and, you know, um, tend to like what comes up in me because part of like with teachers, you know, go back to my school days, right. Um, there's this thing called co-regulation. If I'm able to manage my emotions, right, I can I can better assist you. If I'm dysregulated, if I can't handle the right. tears, if I'm upset by the tears, you're going to sense that energy mm -hmm. and you're going to feel like something is wrong with you. Mm -hmm. Right. There, there's going to be an element of like embarrassment or shame. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes when people are very sensitive and they cry a lot. They, they wear that sense of like, OK, I know I'm a crier and, and I get that all the time in sessions like, oh, I'm so they apologize all the time. I'm so sorry for crying. Like, why? Because the world has made them feel like they have to apologize, like their 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 tears become the very first thing that they apologize for. And just learning to hold space for that mm. for so many people who are natural criers 
and and to be able to cry and to not have it be a thing where right. somebody's trying to move you past it or not even bringing awareness to it, just let it happen, just keep going, right? Because it's 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 just tears. Mm-hmm. And so I think you know again that that co-regulation. Once you start to recognize like what's happening in your body, mm-hmm. you can then start to move towards helping somebody else to, if necessary, co-regulate give them the energy and support that they need in order to manage like what they're experiencing. Because if you're dysregulated, if you're not in tune with what's coming up for you, you might feel as if you're helping, but if you hostile towards, you know, the person who's experiencing that because of your own discomfort, the energy of that is going to be felt. The energy of it's going to be felt. Would you say that the, I know you work with mainly BIPOC, but would you say that there are, um, Illnesses that are more prevalent in BIPOC communities versus? No, no. no. I mean, okay. that's, we're Everybody's human. dealing with everything. We're, we're yeah. human, right? And, and what causes or what, you know, um, what, what brings the symptoms up, you know, might be, you know, different roads, different paths. At the end of the day, the body is going to experience stress as stress. Okay. Right. Um, the body is going to anxiety is going to look the same, you know, depending on the community that you're in. You may learn to deal with your anxiety, you know, right. in a different way. Um, you know, um, it, it, there are certain things that we don't necessarily talk about um, in, you know, our community, which is eating disorders. And, you know, it, there could be this presumption that, you know, oh, that's a, you know, someone else's issue. That's not a us issue. Well, yeah, no, mm-hmm. we <laughs> Yeah. E- eating, eating disorders, you know, it's not something we talk about, but it, it's a way in which people try to, you know, um, cope. And so, um, so no, I wouldn't necessarily say that symptoms themselves that arise within the body differ. I think they're very similar, right. but what attributes to those symptoms, okay. that's where some distinctions start okay. to happen. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned like eating for coping um, or as a coping mechanism. So we're noticing also a trend of like the very charismatic life of the party um, type of individual um, seem to be the people that are struggling the most. I know in African-American communities, we kind of like laugh to keep from crying. Like it's kind of like what we are, I guess, um, characteristically, sometimes we do. Have you noticed that that's a coping mechanism that people go towards or are those the people that we should really be checking in on? Um, Like, for example, Chris, the motivation behind the Mind and Wellness Foundation, he was a fun individual. Robin Williams, he had that same type of um, uh, personality trait. So like, what are you saying for people that are, that have those type of personalities? Yeah, I think, you know, people learn how to give people what they want. We, mm. we learn how to be performative, you know, in, in some ways, you know. Um, and, and oftentimes you can probably say that those people are more attuned to other people. They know that if I express this, right, then it's going to be met with like, oh, right. Mm-hmm. And so to minimize that, it's like if I get a happy face, right, nobody's nobody's checking in for me. Right. right. So I, I don't have to worry about, you know, um, you know, having to be vulnerable. Right. Or, or, or having someone else, you know, feel sad for me. So sometimes it's just a mask, you know, um, and, and being able to you know, um, to recognize sometimes when people are struggling, when they do have those masks, it, it, it can be difficult mm. um, because they're presenting as if, you know, um, life is is fine. And, and it is until it's not. Right. 
And that kind of goes back to, I think we're kind of moving towards like, you know, the the narrative of moving away from like the strong black woman, like, you know, um, recognizing that that's not the crown that we should be trying to, you know, um, put, put on every, on on every person's head. Right. There, there, there's a weight that comes with that. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I think just kind of bringing awareness to sometimes, you know, um, how people show up um, and, and, and mm. recognizing that, you know, some of it is performative, you know, to keep the other people that they love from experiencing the hurt that they might be experiencing on the inside. And then sometimes people can detach, disassociate from the pain. Mm. And so um, that's a body's way of coping as well. So um, we say that um, disassociation is the genius of trauma. Because if you can't connect to it, then you can't mm. experience it. You can't hurt from it, you know, but if you it's can't real. connect with it, you can't heal from it either. Ooh. So it's, it, it's, it's, it's so layered. Right. Um, it, it's so layered, but bringing awareness to those parts that are suffering um, and those parts that are, you know, um, doing what they're doing to keep the body safe, to keep the body alive, you know, is important as well. Mm. So you mentioned um, earlier, if I can go back just a little bit about, um, when working with other people or having conversation with other people in that moment, like let tears or anger or whatever the feeling is, how other people receive that. And do they have a problem with it because they're uncomfortable or because they just don't know what to do? Um, is it that person's responsibility to make or help them in their comfort? Like I know for me personally, I have, like I'm getting into this space where I'm like, I don't, I don't care if you're comfortable. Like, so it, and it took me a really long time to get to that space. So is it anyone's responsibility or how does that person become comfortable in that space? I know there's a lot of questions in that one, but. I, I think, you know, um, what I typically say to individuals who, you know, um, I'm working with is that, you know, it all starts with us. Um, we can't change how anyone experiences us. We can hope, but we can't change. Mm. The only thing that we can do is bring awareness to how we show up and be responsible for our healing. And um, it sounds like you've gotten to a place of acceptance of like, you know, this is an emotion um, that, you know, that you have. And, you know, if other people don't like it, you can pass in and move on. That That's good growth. And so in that, you're modeling for people to just really accept you for who they are. And if there are, you know, any concerns about how you show up again, the work becomes their work and not your work. Okay. And so I think, you know, um, giving people, you know, um, permission is what I find myself, you know, encouraging them to do is to not be responsible for someone else accepting and, and loving you in the way that, you know, that's just authentically you, you know, um, mm authentically you and oftentimes again um I, I don't you know like to say that everything is connected to the past but oftentimes things start in the past you know children who are very um sensitive and empaths um they they move into adulthood with you know feelings that you know they need to hide or be ashamed of the tears and it's oftentimes because you know um the labels that were put around it oh don't be a crybaby stop crying you cry too much what you crying for now so all of that gets layered and, and then the looks that come along with it, right? Even if people aren't saying anything, it's like, oh, she crying again? 
you know, and even if no one says anything, right, people become so sensitive to it, they'll start interpreting people's looks. And so, again, that's anxiety. That's a mm. person like that's 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 in their head. And so I, I try in my practice to help people, you know, um, to accept all parts of themselves. And I use parts because that um, internal family system is a way in which, you know, um, I, you know, um, practice. It's a, it's a modality, if you will. And, you know, um, just recognizing that we're all different and we're all unique. And I was blessed with a very sensitive child. And, you know, I, you know, am a Taurus. I'm a bull. You know, I smile. Me too. But, you know, there's there's some thunder on there. You can get yeah. these horns, right? Yep. And so so having right. a sensitive child. That's a quick child, cosign. So I had to learn how to, you know, be with individuals who were different from me. Mm. But that was my work to do. But as a mother, it all started when um, we were coming from uh, Panda Express. And my daughter, it was her seventh birthday. Panda Express was like her favorite place. And it was raining and I wanted to get home. Right. But I'm going to take her to get a Panda Express because it's going to be birthday dinner. And as we're driving, a man is holding a sign and it says, you know, um, hungry will work for food. And she was like, oh, mom, the guy right there, you know, he needs some food. And I was like, well, you know, when we say our prayers and we say bless those that don't have, that's what we're praying for. And I drove off mm. and I looked in the rear view mirror and this little kid is crying. Oh, and she's like, I just food with him. Mm. And I could feel it welling up in my stomach because I'm talking about it because I could see her so clearly. And that was my shift. Mm. That was my shift to say you missed it and she got it. Yeah. Right. She saw his humanity for one. And she recognized that she had the ability to do something about it. Right. But I was willing to just simply say it because I had been conditioned that that wasn't my responsibility. Right. right? I was right. just going to keep on moving. And so in that moment, I had to take pause and I looked at the gift that was in front of me and I said, OK, let me slow down. Let me let me pay attention to what as, you know, a person who's, you know, come up through the military and, you know, through all my upbringing. What have I missed? What gifts have I overlooked? What have I you know, kind of suppress. And I had to go back to my daughter and I had to acknowledge like the gift that she had. And so in that, I use that, that the energy of that with my clients to kind of help reparent them, mm. you know, for the parent that didn't see like that, that is really a strength for you to be able to connect. Because truly, if we all kind of strive for being more sensitive, right, recognizing other people's humanity and just pausing and really to connect with people right. like, wow, how different would this world be? I love that you called it a strength. I also have an emotional child. Um, so as a parent, how do you um, encourage that gift, but also let them know that the world is not going to see it as a gift? It's like, what's that balance? Mm. Yeah, so um, I, 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 I teach my daughter, you know, that um, for one, it's a gift because I already know, because I was guilty of it, that the world is going to teach you, tell you otherwise. Right. The world is going to, cause you mm. to shrink. You know, you cry too much. You're too sensitive. Mm. Get tough enough. Right. So I really had to teach her that that is a strength. And she didn't always believe it. Right. She had to grow into really seeing other people outside of like how she saw herself to realize that, wow, everybody doesn't have this. This is something special. Mm. Right. So 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 constantly cultivating in her mind that this is a strength. I think for me as a parent, when someone is so sensitive in the way that my daughter is that gift, what I had to help her to understand is that you can't be on the ground with them. Right. If someone was crying, she's feeling all of that. Right. right? 
you can't help people if you're, you're, you're crying just as hard as they are. So you can goes back to tap into yourself, right? right? Figure out what's happening with you and then extend a hand. Mm -hmm. So she had to learn how to take care of herself first. You know, this one boy slapped her. And one of the moms that she was with was like, I told her to hit him back. I gave her permission. Mm -hmm. And her response was, well, he's one of God's kids, too. Like, why would I want to hurt him? What a gift. So it was just kind of like, okay, then she got us again. So so the notion of like, you know, so 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 what I had to show her is that you don't have to hurt people, but you do have to have some healthy boundaries around how people treat you because she was willing to sacrifice herself. Mm so that others can be comfortable. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I saw patterns of that, right? And, and so just kind of recognizing that it is a strength, but y- you you got to recognize the vulnerable side of it. Mm-hmm. And so- um, So to be clear, no one slapped the boy back. No, he didn't get slapped. Whew. He didn't get slapped. So wow. hopefully he'll go on. <laughs> and his, his college essay will be one of like, you know, how how mercy and grace was extended to him. Until the thunder come back down on him, right? Uh, <laughs> So no, he, he didn't get it. And so, um, but what, but with your sensitive child, I think, you know, just constantly, because we already know as adults that people are going to, you know, tell your baby that um, they need to be different. Mm. And the reality is it's a beautiful gift to be in tune with yourself, to be in tune with others, but learning how to recognize how to use it as a strength, but then also to, to recognize when people might taking advantage of Mm -hmm. it so that discernment right of you know just again just recognizing when you have to pull out of the situation and healthy boundaries um because yeah the the, the world is you know the world and the world will you know um try to convince them otherwise that those traits are not but man if i just think about some of the um woes that we have in this world and if there were more sensitive people more caring people that alone yes. would drastically shift yes. um, the lived experience of so many people. Well, now that I'm hearing you talk about your daughter, um, I'm thinking maybe my son is not that a sensitive child. I'm not quite sure. Granted, oh. <laughs> <laughs> he's three, so he's young, but like he's very... Um, the way he read me yesterday. He's very... Uh, uh, he's very in tune with other people's feelings, so mm-hmm. he can tell like even at his young age, mm-hmm. if someone is not feeling well or not yeah. feeling good, He's very like, mommy, are you sad? He's like constantly like wanting to touch yeah. and like his, he's a physical touch type of kid. Yeah. The exact um, opposite of what you like. Yeah, he is the, the opposite of me. Um, but I can just tell because he, and he also, he's a three-year-old, so he's, he's crying, right? Yeah. But I can just tell that he's going to be sensitive to a lot more, a lot of more things that I'm, than, than I am sensitive to. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just don't want to discourage him from being that because that's not me well when you as you were talking about it I can see you kind of stiffening up a little bit (laughs) so so it's it's kind of the discomfort like what comes along with like him being that way that makes you feel uncomfortable and I as you're talking I had this one um, family that came in and the son you know was very much a physical touch type person and dad was like I'm not quite sure what's wrong with him. You know, I think it could be this, but you know, he wants hugs all the time. And, and I'm, and I'm, I'm, my therapist's mind is listening and I'm like, okay, uh, your kid wants hugs all the time and that's a problem. Okay. 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 So this (laughs) is why I like working with parents because dad, right. Is, is a man. And from his perspective, his son should not be this affectionate Mm -hmm. and he's sensing that something is wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. Because of how dad has been conditioned. Right. Yeah. And so we kind of had to unpack, you know, you know, in a in a very gentle way. It's like, 
that's what kids are designed to do. Right. If if your son, you know, um, at, you know, the age of eight, never wanted to be around you, never wanted to touch you, I'd be concerned then. But right. the fact that he wants to be with you, he wants to touch you, like, man, high five yourself. You're doing something right. right. That, that, yeah. That's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful right. thing. Oh, to be a fly on the wall when a therapist wants to read you, but they have to like <laughs> quietly walk you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. So what are the signs that someone may be having a mental health crisis? Mm. So there could be a variety of things, but typically when people withdraw, isolate themselves, that's usually like the first thing that we start to see. I think because I, I literally see people physically change um, in session. I'm able to kind of notice like uh -huh. when a person is kind of going into what we refer to like that dorsovagal energy. When you think about like a turtle, right? Turtle moving slow and then kind of retracting into their shell. It's like, you know, that the shell becomes their home away from home. And so when you start to see people kind of do that sometimes, right? When, when they're withdrawing and, you know, um, not wanting to be um, in contact or, connecting with other people. Sometimes that is a sign that the person might be suffering from, some, from with, start beginning to suffer with something. Um, Even for introverts? Sorry. That means so, so introverts are very different. Like okay. introverts are, so, so that's very different because introvert energy is very different from the energy I'm talking okay. about. All right. Typically the energy that I'm talking about when people are starting to kind of withdraw, literally their shoulders will start to fold uh, in. Okay. Literally there's a more somber there's not a lot of muscle tone. Like I can physically see okay. like a person's, you know, demeanor shift and, and the body effects. So there's usually not much muscle tone. You know, it's just kind of like, you know, here going through the motion, just mm. kind of popping. Energy in introverts, mm -hmm. you know, they still have a lot of, you know, they can give some energy. It's like they just need to withdraw, but then introverts come back out. Okay. Right. And, okay. and it looks different. And so, um, so, so when someone is just, you know, kind of withdrawing and being reclusive, um, that's, that could be a sign. Um, when someone is, um, finding it very difficult to stay within their window of tolerance, you know, you can see, um, that many things are starting to set them off, um, that there, there's a sign there that perhaps, you know, something is activating them and they're not able to self-regulate. Mm -hmm. Um, typically when someone is hypervigilant, it becomes, or it looks as if like, okay, that's just that person. That person is always on 10. Your body can't stay on 10. So if a person right. is always on 10, then something is definitely going on. Mm. Right? That, that person's body internal system is literally being worn down. And so when they say stress kills, it really does because your system is overactivated. And so, um, and, and when you just start to see um, a person that you know like the energy shifts, the demeanor shifts, um, significant shifts I'm talking about, right? And, and they just kind of stay there. Um, or there's a sense of like, maybe I, I, I'm stuck. Like, I don't know what to do next, right? That helplessness. Um, those are signs where like, well, maybe the person needs to kind of check in with someone and be like, okay, um, what, what else is going on? Mm -hmm. You might, you know, need some support around. And how long do you, how long can someone operate in this before they recognize that they're even in crisis or even after they've recognized they're in crisis? <sighs> um, a lot of people go to their graves not 
getting the support they need. And I don't mean like, you know, by, you know, um, literally stress themselves, overwork themselves or so hypervigilant. Sometimes people never realize because the body is naturally designed to keep us safe and sometimes and to keep us alive. And sometimes the coping mechanisms that people choose um, are a direct reflection that something was happening. But then this was a choice. So when people gamble, it's keeping them from stressing, overthinking, sex addiction, drug addiction, food addiction. They look like, you know, um, things that people just normally do shopping. Um, people do these things to distract from the pain. Distract mm. from the pain. Right. Um, can you talk about some healthy coping mechanisms? Is that a question we have later? Sorry. No, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so one of the, um, so when you were talking about like the anxiety, so one of the, um, strategies that I like to give people is to, you know, um, put some distance between um, like what is causing the overthinking by thinking of like a character's voice, you know, that has a very distinct voice, like a Mickey Mouse or like a Donald Duck. And if you're able to turn like that voice in your head, that's overthinking, that's criticizing into like one of those characters voice, you can't stay with the conversation. I just thought about it in Mickey's voice and it it is very alleviating, yes. <laughs> because those voices are connected to positive experiences. Ah, and, okay. and it's like, okay, this is too silly for me to, you know, continue. Right. Thinking about. So it disrupts that mm. thinking pattern enough really for you good. to come out of it, right? Yeah. And that coming out of it, that that's just enough time for you to now say like, okay, what else should I be focused on, yeah. right? And if it continues for extended periods of time, then of course you can definitely, you know, get some, um, get more support around it. But that's generally, you know, a tool that I, you know, um, give individuals who deal with like intrusive thoughts or ruminating thoughts, because you can literally have like a whole um, screen, right? Like <laughs> played right. out in your head. Before <laughs> you your morning coffee. What they said, what they were wearing, how it was all going down. And you were the only actor yes. like in yeah. this whole scene. Right? right. So so being able to disrupt that, you know, um, and, and, and reclaim some of that time back so that it can be focused to doing um, things that are more meaningful. Um, using that character's voice is, is one strategy that I, that I like to give. Um, I'm a huge fan of like um, meditation. Um, even if it's just like five minutes, you know, um, I, I can't do yoga for a long period of time, even though yoga works for people. Like I told you, I was like the master busy. So like, it's hard for me to sit still. So, um, but five minutes of meditation kind of centers me um, nature walks. So just kind of finding like that thing that grounds you, you know, that you can, you know, um, reflect back to, I think I mentioned at the start that, you know, Fannie Lou Hamer, you know, um, is a spirit guide that, you know, I use. And I think when we start to identify like positive resources that we can reference, right. And, and if the more you use it for some people with it's spiritual, it's the Bible, you know, for some people, you know, it could be remembering like a trip, you know, where they were happy and there's family. But the more we use like these positive experiences, the more your body learns how to settle into like those keywords. Mm. And so for me, you know, um, giving clients, you know, um, or helping them find like a wise figure resource, a nurturing figure resource or a protective figure. So when you go into situations that might be stressful or cause you to feel anxious, if you can kind of, you know, um, allow yourself to experience the safety 
um, the wisdom and the protection like of like, you know, that 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 trio um, for many people, it's, it's very affirmed because you got your posse with you. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay um, following up on like when a person isn't having a mental health crisis um, as like a friend, I think this question came up because the read is experiencing it um, with Kid Fury. Um, he it's said that he was told that he has was in a mental health crisis and needed to take some time away in order to get help. And so what are ways that as a, a friend or a parent or a sibling of someone that is going through a mental health crisis can acknowledge that and urge someone to get help without it being like more damaging? Yeah, it's 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 um it's hard when you see a loved one suffering um, because again, we're wired for connection. And so you want to rescue, you want to, you know, get that person out of that place of suffering. And, um, you know, if any of you are parents, you know, that sometimes your kids will take advice or hear things from other people better than they will from you. So sometimes it's really positioning people, um, who have like the resources and wisdom that you trust to also kind of run interference, um, in, in that regard. Um, they might receive it a little different. Um, but it also kind of goes back to not that you just want to allow a person to suffer and drown, but truly once you've presented the options to a person to get the support that they need, the choice really is theirs. And so then you have to, in those moments of them going through like their healing process or even before they get to their healing process, it's so important that you identify your own support system. Because their suffering, the energy of that is going to transfer into the body. And if you're not taking care of yourself as you're taking care of them through that suffering, you're going to come out worn down and you're going to have your own, you know, stories that are going to need to be told. So I would say for friends, for families, anyone who's witnessing someone go through, you know, um, an experience while they're doing their healing journey, or even if they decide that they're not ready for it, it's important for the supporters, for the loved ones to um, find a support, find a safe place uh, that allows them to kind of express what, what's happening internally. Mm. Um, you've already mentioned some ways and tools that people can use. Um, I don't know if you have any more you want to share, but on top of that, uh, what are you thinking? You mentioned yoga, like as an, I'm assuming would be like a natural remedy meditation. Um, what tips and tools would you give somebody that's in a crisis? And what does that look like trying to navigate doing natural remedies versus medication? Yeah. So if you're in a crisis, like yoga is definitely not going to, right. you know, to, to, to do it right. Uh, right. Just stretching and moving your body is, is, is not going to be, it's is not going to resolve it. I think if you are in a true crisis or if you feel you're on the verge of experiencing a crisis, connecting with the right therapist is going to be important. And when I say the right therapist, you know, um, it's, it's hard to find therapists right now because so many people, you know, are suffering. But when I say the right therapist, every everyone is not going to work, you know, well with 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 anyone, right? And so even as a therapist myself, like two sessions with one, and I was out. I knew like, okay, this is this is not this doesn't align with you know right. like what my body needs. And 
as a therapist, I know that, but oftentimes people will sit through therapy feeling like this is how it's supposed to be when in reality it's just not a good fit. The way the person is practicing, you know, is not for them. And so, you know, there's talk therapy, there's somatic therapy, you know, there's art therapy there, you know, there's therapy that involves like movement, you know? Um, So there are so many different ways in which people can, you know, connect with someone to support them through their healing. And I think um, just being aware that it's not just about talking, talking about the problem alone, you know, doesn't resolve it. You know, right. knowing that your toe hurt because it's hurt because you stubbed it, it's not going to make the pain go away. Right. right. So you have to really have, you know, a person who has other tools that they can use to support a person and moving towards, you know, um, and, and through healing. So to piggy off of Saya's um, question, we recently just saw a TikTok video um, of a doctor saying um, like how, and you mentioned it as well, it's like a great, uh, sugars and even to like red dye number 40, 40, 40 yeah. um, can also um, affect your mood and how you're feeling. But um, a lot of times doctors want to go straight to putting you on some type of medication. So in those instances, like, should we be cutting out sugars or should we be looking at how much dairy we might be intaking, things like that, like that we can be when we're feeling stressed or anxious that we can start maybe cutting out to see if those are, um, not triggering, but I guess um, attributing to um, different anxiety or stress. Yeah. So this might not be the best analogy, but this speaks to my, my, my personal experience here. Right. Um, Recognizing that, you know, you want to lose like, you know, 30, 40 pounds and then just cutting something out is not immediately going to make the weight like fall off. Right. right? Like, so if, if, if that were the case, you, you kind of have to start early. Like Mm -hmm. simply removing something is not going to make the weight fall off just like that. Right. Removing, you know, dairy from your diet. If you're experiencing anxiety crisis is not going to provide Mm -hmm. um, relief in time. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Um, And and, and I'm and and, and I'm not certain that, you know, um, I don't know the science behind, you know, um, what you've just shared. But I will say, you know, having a holistic diet, you know, um, is important to maintain, you know, not just to get you through a mental health crisis, but to maintain you know, mm. um, mental stamina right. and mental wellness. So, so that, that's kind of how I would approach it, mm. you know, um, start with doing right by your body before, you know, you get to the point of like, oh, I need to remove, you know, um, remove that something. Um, I, I would, I would recommend more, um, a lifestyle shift as opposed to, you know, the reactionary, right. you know, um, re- response of just, just removing something. Right. Okay. Sorry. I was just catching up. Okay. So what resources um, are out there to assist um, someone who um, may be experiencing or after in the middle or before mental crisis? Yeah. So I know like, you know, the state counties have, you know, crisis um, lines that individuals can call, you know, for support. There are, you know, referral groups, um, uh, clinicians of color, inclusive therapists, um, Black Girls Rock, um, Psychology Today, they all have, um, you know, therapists, you know, throughout, you know, um, the United States, depending on where you're located, where individuals can, you know, um, kind of scour the, um, the, the the Internet, if you will, to see like, you know, uh, a therapist um, who might align with, you know, um, how they want to, you know, receive support. But those are some different ways in which 
you know, people can receive support. And, you know, sometimes, you know, going to the ER might be, you know, the thing that a person needs if the crisis is that dire, you know, you might have to. Um, And again, you know, um, I'm just going to put this out there. If you take a loved one to the ER for mental health support, be prepared post that experience to follow up and get them seen by, you know, someone who's going to provide therapy post that because that experience in itself is going to be traumatic mm-hmm. with, without question, you know, um, without question. Thank you. Um, we are noticing uh, that there has been an increase in individuals seeking to have um, some ass- assistance therapy whatever the case may be, but that um, there seems to be a barrier at being able to receive the assistance um, because they can't afford the sessions. Um, And there seems to be like a flaw in our healthcare system with regards to uh, the insurance companies, um, just being able to, you know, get maybe more than like eight sessions. Sometimes like, how do you know if that eight sessions is enough? Um, What have you found is the best way to navigate being able to afford it or finding, you know, providers who even work with your insurance, just all of those things. Give me advice. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it is hard, um, you know, trying to, for one, find a therapist um, who's going to truly, you know, uh, support someone through like their healing journey, as opposed to, you know, um, big medical model center or, um, uh, um, you know, in terms of like you go, you, you have somebody just kind of listen to you and, and but you're not really healing. Right. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, you know, um, when individuals are on Medicaid, it is very difficult to find a therapist, you know, um, who practices in a way that brings in these eclectic tools mm. um, that accept Medicaid because the reimbursement rates are so low. Mm. So oftentimes they'll find themselves having to use community health. You know, um, and when you and, and those 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 resources are great. Um, and I actually worked, you know, with the clinic before. So I'm aware of how, you know, support is provided. But unfortunately, you know, um, it's not always the 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 the, the best setup in, in terms of like, you know, um, what could lead to, you know, the most effective way of a person like getting their the healing that they need. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but community health centers for people who have Medicaid, um, they're definitely there, but a lot of private practitioners, you know, don't always accept Medicaid because the reimbursement rates are so low. Um, I think when you mentioned about the limited session, that's usually going to be employment assistant program, employee assistant programs Mm -hmm. where they might say, oh, you're only allotted X number of sessions. But if someone has, you know, insurance, typically the insurance, and I think really with COVID, has been, you know, there, I've not seen a lot of barriers around people using their insurance, but because depending on which insurance you have, practitioners may not accept that insurance right. because the reimbursement rates are, are, are so low. And so, okay. um, so it can be, you know, difficult to, you know, find like the practitioner, you know, who has the skills um, and the availability, you know, um, right. that also matches certain budgets. Right. So that, yeah, that definitely. So should therapy be like reactive or proactive? Oh, both for sure. Okay. Both for sure. Okay. So is your um, aim to stop seeing patients or to make it so that they come see you less often? So um, my goal is really to help people heal. 
And so for some people, you know, um, what that looks like is that, you know, I need to um, have what looks like, quote unquote, maintenance, right? I, I might just see you once a month because maybe um, the environment or the people that I love and that love me don't know how to hear the stories that sometimes unfold within, you know, mm. uh, my lived experience. Right? And so it becomes a safe space. It becomes a place where a person can just kind of, you know, free, free their minds. But to me, that's still healing because mm-hmm. you're still recognizing that this space is needed mm-hmm. in order for you to maintain, you know, um, the ability to, or sustain rather the ability to kind of, you know, keep moving forward life and to be mentally healthy. For some people, when people experience trauma or, and then there's complex trauma when multiple events have happened, particularly if there was trauma in childhood, you know, developmental trauma, um, oftentimes individuals, you know, are, could be in therapy for years because um, when you're working with trauma, um, moving slow is moving fast. Mm-hmm. And so you have to, you know, again, cultivate that environment where a person is growing and healing, but you can't move too fast either. I kind of have a follow up question. You kind of touched on it, but what does healing look like or what mm. can that feel like? And what does finding a therapist that matches your needs feel like? Because I know that I had a therapist that I wasn't vibing with and I had to ask my girls. I was like, uh, is this how this is supposed to feel? Because <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't think this is right. You know what I mean? But like not really knowing what a baseline was because it was my first time in therapy too. So my therapist hand wants to go like this when you say, what does healing look like? <laughs> Not right? the Birdman hand. <laughs> <laughs> no, this because it's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me, how it looks for me is very different how it's going to look for the client. For me, how it looks is when a person is able to um, release something, right? Um, that, that was holding them down mm-hmm. or a burden Um, that's kind of lodged in their body that they didn't even realize was there. And so sometimes bringing awareness to that and for them to have that moment of like, it's a sigh sometimes, Mm. or it's the, the awakening of connecting something like, Oh, okay. Like, so, so healing, you know, it, it, it takes place um, throughout like, you know, the process and it just kind of unfolds, you know, in a very like beautiful way. Um, Or, when, you know, there's a treatment modality that I use and a client comes in or comes back and, you know, I'm like, OK, well, let's revisit that. And it's like, well, you know, uh, if it's OK, this came up this week, so I don't want to talk about that. Right. Mm-hmm. And the, that that they no longer want to talk about was the something that brought them in the therapy. And at one point, tears were flowing mm-hmm. and they couldn't even get the story out. But now we've 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 processed the healing. And now that big thing is now it's just the that. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And so sometimes clients don't even recognize it's that income. that that beautiful shift. And so my 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 therapist parts are going like, okay, yes, we don't have to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I'm celebrating internally. So it's gonna look and it's gonna feel so different. Um, I, you know, and just to be transparent, um, the other part of what healing looks like is when, you know, and it doesn't always take place in the first session, and sometimes it does, but I've had clients to say, like, I've been waiting for you. Mm. Like, where have you been? Like, I practice virtually. And so to, like, click on, and it's the connection of I'm you and you're me. Right? Mm -hmm. There are some things that I don't even have to say. There are some stuff that 
space has already been created for. Yeah. Right? right. And so for them to just immediately settle into like mm. that, that's yeah. good stuff. That yeah. that's healing for somebody because you've arrived at a space. You can just be you. You can just be you. And so again, it 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 just unfolds, you know, very differently for some clients, and particularly my teenagers. They're like, you know, oh my gosh, I, I, I couldn't wait to get to session today. I, yeah. I have so much to tell you, right? It's it's somebody sees me, somebody hears me, mm-hmm. somebody values me, somebody is making space for me. And to know that I can be that and th- they have that for them, that's 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 powerful. Yeah. That's powerful. That's mm-hmm. a lifeline. For so many people to know that you can get into that space and your story is not going to be judged. It's not going to be criticized. Um, it's not even going to be dissected in a way that makes you feel like that your lived experience is problematic. So healing just kind of, you know, um, it's expensive in terms of how it looks and how it unfolds. But when it happens, it's good. <laughs> so, good. do you have to break that. up with the therapist? It didn't work. For me, I do. Okay. I do. I do. I, I, I can't do yeah. it. Um, whew, what I know about healing in my time and what's out there, I, I, I got to do what's right by me. And, you know, I, I tell clients this all the time. I empower them to make a choice. This is about your healing. This is not about me. Mm. It's okay if I'm not a good fit for you. Okay, so let me clarify. Like, can I just ghost you? Or do I have to have a conversation that I'm not coming oh, back? That's a whole so, other so you can do both. You can do both. You know, I used to be a sister lock consultant, right? And so I would always tell, like, you know, um, new folks that I'm training, if a client's not sitting in your chair, they're sitting in somebody else's. Right. Mm-hmm. And if they didn't book an appointment with you, they didn't book a appointment with you. Ooh. Wait for the next appointment and service that person. Like I, I I'm not chasing people, right? And right. I'm because I know that that person made a choice. And I'm not going to, you know, overanalyze the why, mm-hmm. right? Um, if, if they want to come back. It must be inv- so nice not yeah. overanalyze the why. Wow. <laughs> right, what's that like? <laughs> but, but that's more of a business thing, right? Yeah. And not so much. Uh, but, it, but, but really, yeah. it's just, it's holding that space to recognize that sometimes people are going to make decisions. And those decisions, you know, um, should be in their best interest. Yeah. Ideally, it would be nice, you know, um, if, if, if a client didn't come back to me. Oftentimes what I'd reach out to them because at some point you do have to, you know, you want to discharge them, you know? Uh So I, but I do reach out and I'll say, Hey, I'm just checking in to see how everything's going. If you've moved on, that's perfectly fine, but know that I'm here to support you. So it's, it's not, you know, like that you're leaving, you know, this person in such a distress because, you know, you no longer want to work with them. That's part of the work, part of the work. Okay. And it's perfectly okay. I think that's also like anxiety inducing as someone going in, you're like, you go into a session. I've, I've also gone to therapy. Um, I had to, I end up stopping and I'm trying to start back up. But my last one, there were so many microaggressions that were happening in that session. That was just mm-hmm. like, I feel worse yeah. after the session than I felt coming in. So for me, I'm just like, I feel like I don't owe you an explanation for why I'm not coming back because you were that terrible. At the same time, I don't know if it's, like dating, like, should I have told you that you sucked or do we just never speak again? Well, if the person really wanted to know, if you didn't reach out, they have, True, the ability, they never contacted me. Again, they, so. they have the ability to contact you as well. So mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's a dual, it's a dual thing. Okay. Um, I would say move on and get the healing you deserve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that. Okay. So can you plug your practice? Are you currently accepting clients? So I'm currently not accepting clients. Oh. 
but great <laughs> session. Guess we won't see you again ever. <laughs> I'm currently not as episode. So, um, so get your healing from this episode. But there are some amazing, amazing people out there that are doing great work. And so, you know, we talk about, you know, therapy, but the field of therapy is just so broad. Again, there's art therapy, there's dance therapy, you know, um, they're even working like in nature, you know. So, again, depending on like what your needs are as a person, like you can literally find someone who works in the lane and in the area that's going to align, you know, with with your spirit. And, you know, again, like how you want to connect, you know, in, in the healing space. So. Um, I, you know, even though, you know, I, my practice is full at this point, when people reach out to me, you know, I try to still put them like in hands of other people, you know, um, who might be able to support them or direct them. But, um, I would just say, you know, um, there, there are some great therapists out there. There are a variety of ways in which people, you know, practice. Um, and again, we're talking about licensed professionals here, but, you know, there are some individuals who use coaches. You know, and, and, you know, there, there are some, you know, um, I, I do have my concerns about coaching and specific healing work, but depending on where you are and what you're trying to accomplish, you know, that could be, you know, another option as well. Yeah. And where can people reach out to you or find you? Or I don't know if you ever, like if you're on social media and then on social media, sometimes maybe you just like, I was thinking about this today and like people can like connect with you there or something like that. Like, I would just love to hear you talk. So like literally I'm, I'm trying to take a vacation. I just sold my restaurant like last. Oh, wow. um, oh, look so at you. so in the process of like, you know, being a mental health therapist, trying to help people heal, you know, going through the pandemic and having a restaurant, you know, working those simultaneously, wow. have a daughter who just went off to college. I'm like, okay. Um, let me you have lived like time. five lives. Yeah, yeah. So I am trying to be intentional about, you know, um, not allowing myself to dive in because I truly enjoy like, you know, helping um, people. And so in my mind, the wheels will start spinning oh, in terms yeah, of like yeah. all these different things. And and then it's like, nope, sit on your hands, sit still, sit still, sit still. So so mm -hmm. I'm in a season of learning how to just be still um, because uh, whew, coming out of these last couple of years, um, I've, I've been on a marathon and I, I did not condition for the marathon. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'm tired. I feel that. <laughs> Whenever you're done with your rest. Yeah. I, you I, like, I respect death. that. But yeah. yeah. We want to yeah. see you again. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but I would also put in a plug for group therapy as well. Oftentimes, you know, people are looking for like individual therapy one-on-one. -on -one. But group therapy is actually very powerful as well. And uh -huh. so group therapy is just really bringing individuals, you know, together who are collectively working towards, you know, um, a similar, you know, goal as it relates to, you know, their lived experience. And so group therapy is is, is another way to so our podcast. Yes. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, oh, we do this all the time. Yeah, yeah. Right. And you could probably feel the synergy flow. I know the yeah. advice is always great, but uh, <laughs> much is learned I don't know. <laughs> if it's applied <laughs> well thank you for sitting with us we really appreciate yeah, it yeah, no yeah. this was awesome thank yeah. you all so much for having me i definitely appreciated my time here today oh, thank, thank you. you so much well <laughs> one thing we gonna do is, is tangent <laughs> Let's say because we had a lot of questions um, and we were a little bit more prepared. So. 
Yeah. Um, All so, other times, y'all, y'all gonna get what you're gonna get. <laughs> so basically, it's uh, I'm Tiff, and it's Tiff's tangent um, because <laughs> I'm always tangenting and asking like really random questions that things that I was just pondering. Um, I that may was, or may not have anything to do with the topic at hand I, at all. But today okay. I'm, I'm on topic. You are, um, I'm proud I, of you. I do have one that I added, but it's just for you because we've had this um, conversation about butterflies and whether or not they are a positive or negative like bodily experience or like preemptive sign. And I would love to know your thoughts on that sensation and whether or not it is a good or a bad thing. When we experience butterflies, yeah. Oh, can I give a binary response? Yeah, sure. because I think it can be both. Okay, yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. Like, um, and it's it's funny because you know it's it's a sensation that starts in the body, and depending on what you're connecting it with, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it might be a sense of like, oh, there's a little anxiety, or there's a stress. But if you've ever had like, you know, what is it like? Fourth grade, sixth grade, when you have like those crushes, did you guys still talk mm-hmm. about crushes? 20, 25. I think that's the question. Uh, okay. Like, what body part is experiencing the flutter? Oh. So, in mm. third grade, it maybe it's like a <laughs> good. Oh. Every part. I'm wondering if at third grade, when you have like a puppy love crush, if that's good, but at 25, it's like, danger, danger. You're about to be in trouble. Yeah. I think that's a good sensation. I've never not liked it, so I don't know about anybody else. Hey. For what? Uh, twenty-two years, and I'm rocking. Like, hey, twenty-two years. That's what I'm talking about. Like, oh, that's a good sensation. I used to have butterflies like before soccer games sometimes, and yeah. I noticed that like a lot of times it would be like games that I would score. So like hmm. that was a positive correlation. Like your body was like, yeah, but in my um, early twenties, when <laughs> I was experiencing butterflies around tests. No, around men. Nick. Oh, it was oh. often like red flag, oh. like the the worst men that I dated. What incurred this conversation? <laughs> it was like I had never heard about butterflies being a potential like negative thing until like very recently. And so I was like, am I the only one that like didn't know that this could be a red flag instead mm. of a positive thing? You know what I mean? Like kind of like a warning that your body is trying to be like, bitch, no. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So like, intuitive <laughs> feeling is more so what you're connected it with. Like your body is saying like, okay, there's something here that the energy where it's giving you like a little warning. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's like a little like fight or flight maybe. Yeah. 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 But, but yeah. But that's the beauty of like how unique we are. Like you're able to like know the landscape of your body to make the connection between when it was on the soccer field, like I scored. So mm-hmm. that was a positive amp up. But then when, you know, um, opposite sex was around like mm-hmm. and it's happening like maybe i need to kind of right. like lean in and look a little harder and yeah, pay attention. definitely yeah, yeah. yeah i mean it's definitely learned like i mean if for i mean i thought it was positive because of my correlation with it on the soccer field at first and then it just like realizing basically what you said like about like where it is in the body is like what made me realize mm. be, be able to like discern the yeah, difference between the differentiation yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. okay sorry anyways all right. Um, okay. So the fun tangent. Um, um, okay. So what did you think happiness or success was or would be when you were 21 versus what you know it to be today? Oh, <gasps> 21. I think. Yeah. I was about to say for me, it had to be probably for sure. Um, maybe fully in a relationship with kids. And let me tell you right now, 
that ain't, I can have, be, feel successful without children. Cause I do. And I don't have any. And as a matter of fact, not having any feels like more of, the, of a win than, than having I don't them. like your aggression towards kids. Why? Why? Yeah, I love kids. Speak your but truth. But when, when I have rest. Kids love me because I have rest. That's what I said. You're probably the best auntie. Oh, for sure. Yep. Yep. But then I can take you to your mama's house and drop you off and go and get my rest. Yeah. So, but I think I like being able to have that. Like, I think before it was definitely like, very much whatever society said was success. And for mm-hmm. me, I have cultivated a life that is very mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. and opposite of that. And one of the things I realized is like having rest makes me better for the people that I want to be able to plug into. And I can't do that if I have my own kids. So that for me, like feel, definitely feels like success. And I think living a life that does not look like anything anyone else has also. And for me before it was like, well, this is what everyone else says. This, should look like, but I don't want, I never have wanted that. Mm-hmm. I was agreeing with it because that's what everyone said, that that's what you needed to have. But I never, I always was like, mm, corporate America. No. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, how can I do this kind of, but not really do? And then I was like, oh no, I just never really wanted to do it. And so like being okay with being like, that's not, that's not for me. And I had to grow into that, but that definitely 21, I was like, oh no, you for sure need to have be married, have kids, have the, the I don't know, pick up and, yeah, mm-hmm. like from the prescriptive life. Yeah. Right. That I think, honestly, I never checked in. And then when I checked in, I was like, oh, I don't, I don't want any of these things. Like, that's cool to have, but it's not what I had to have for swap. So that was, that's for me. For, sure. for me, it was stuff. Like, I wanted the big house, the luxury car. I wanted all the Chanel, the Louis. Like, I want all the stuff, all the things. Um, I still want those things. I was about to say, did it change? Love language gifts. Yes. <laughs> but I feel like that was all that I thought equated success was. If I had um, all these things, I was successful. But mm. now I also feel outside of things, because I still want these things, um, is freedom. I like that you're still honest about that. Yeah, I do. I do want to. I mean, these things plus. Yeah, like give me all the things for sure. Um, but I also like the idea of freedom, like Ooh. financial freedom and like freedom of um, like time and space as well. Like mm, one of right. my um, Tyler Perry and Oprah Winfrey have really done a lot to change based on like how they've been able to create opportunities for people in our community. Mm. And they have the financial and the time and the freedom to do those things and how they choose to um, d- um, allocate their resources is so mind blowing to me. And I like, hope that one day I can um, affect our community in that same positive way. Mm-hmm. So for me now, like success is like having the freedom to do like, all the things that you want to do. I think now. Mm. Mm. I love that. <laughs> Mine is simple. Um, it was a checklist, you know, um, mm. degrees, get married, kids, home. Like that was my checklist. Um, now 47, I'm like, you know, um, success for me looks like, me engrossing fully, like engrossing myself into being of service to others. Mm. Nothing to do with me. How can I serve others? Mm. Mm. Oh. But acts of service is my life. Gotta know it. Yeah. 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 Um, I think for me, uh, I definitely the checklist, I think, was a big part of mine. And it still is. <laughs> like again, like I I think um what I thought, I thought it was going to happen much earlier in my life. Not mm-hmm. much. I mean, I'm not like old, but I, I thought that it was like, I definitely, it was tied to a timeline for me yeah, also yeah. that I have like released. And I feel like Come so on, much um, less stress yes. about it now. Like, yeah. like I, 
think I want kids, but I go back and forth every day. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, this life is really easy without them. So, like, maybe that's fine. Yes. And I, I will drop mine off. Anytime. <laughs> a village. It takes yeah. a village. It's okay. Um, but I also think um, just, like, not tying it to numbers in any yeah. sense. So, like, not, like, a salary, not doing X by a certain number of years, not having, like, a certain number of kids. Like, I think, like, just, like, releasing that expectation has helped me so much in mm. in terms of like it's it's weird because it, it's not limiting like it can be a goal but for me it was limiting like mm. like acknowledging what i didn't have yet yeah. if that makes sense no, that and makes so sense. like n- releasing that has really helped like my happiness like exponentially i would say mm. uh i would probably the prescripted life i would think is what i thought success success was at 21, like doing the things that, you know, made your family, like you have to look away, you have to be away, you have to do, do the things away. Um, but I think it's fair enough to say I'm very different. Like, like I kind of don't care a little bit. Like I don't, yeah, I just, (laughs) I just a lot don't care. Like I don't, there's not a certain way you have to look. Mm -hmm. Um, even, I mean, at work, I live in, well, I don't live there. Well, shoot, mm. I feel like I live there. <laughs> I work that was in a corporate- slip that was accurate. Yeah, right. Yes. <laughs> Go ahead. It was. Um, I work in corporate America and for a while, my sister and I worked at the same place and people didn't know that we were related because, you know, she looks the corporate part. And I'm just like, you paying me for my mind or how I look right now? Oof. Because mm. how I look is not going to get your job done right now. So, mm. Um, I think success for me now is just living life on my own terms. Well, mm. You know what Dude. I thought it was at 10, though? A waterbed hey. and <laughs> like those cars that had like the wood strip on the side. I'm like, oh, like, they, the like they got money. Like, them people got money. money. I remember one time I was in Safeway and I was like, you know what? When I grow up, I want to be a cashier because... <laughs> They get all the money. money. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. It's like a nice one. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. Alright, okay. so now we're going to do Meme of the Week. Meme of the Week. Meme of the Week. Okay, so this week's memes comes from Honeydew Holist- Holistics. I was getting okay. nervous because there's an eggplant down here and I didn't quite know where I got this from. But it seems very um, like wellness-based. Oh, okay. okay. Is so, it? Uh, yeah, this one's it positive. I thought that was the meme. I thought, I thought the meme was like... I was getting nervous because there's an eggplant down here. Wellness. <laughs> what are we? Okay. No, I'm going right. to keep it clean. Okay. okay. Oh, okay. Proud of you. So it says, <laughs> I really want black women to start saying out loud, that isn't enough for me more often. And mm-hmm. friendships, relationships, on the job, the subway, just everywhere. We deserve so much more. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, really that nice. Was yeah. You did. I would say send that to me, but it's probably in the group. I got another one I, then. Uh, this next chapter of Mike is called, I told y'all niggas. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to keep that on brand. (laughs) And that tracks. Yes. Yes. yes, yes, yes. drop. Oh, Lord. All right. So how we like to wrap up our episodes, we call it Afro Shade. So we're going to affirm people, kind (laughs) of. Or you can affirm them for real. Um, So it's completely up to you. Affirmation on the shady side. Yeah. Affirmation light. Our audience. Is how we like to call it. Um, Uh, Led to go first. Is there one? (laughs) Do I have one? I mean, you know, I go, okay, whatever I look at. Okay, I'll okay, go. I've done your own thing. Yes, go ahead. Okay. Um, I'm going to affirm for our listeners today to 
live life on your own terms. Um, get the help you need. It's necessary and you deserve it. Mm-hmm. I for himself. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you. Love that yes. for you. <laughs> oh, I'm not. Oh, I mean, sure. Are you ready? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> you want, want me to go? Sure, sure if you're ready. I mean, you know, I'm going to make you do what to do. Come on, uh, bitch. All right, right, come on, preacher. About to be a whole summer. Is this first closing or? I'll let you know when okay. I wrap up, okay? okay. We'll I'll be, be done, done when I'm done. Okay. Everybody sit back. Uh, <laughs> well, Jones. let me get ready. Anybody got a fan? <laughs> I got my notes. Let's get the collection plate ready. I got my okay. notes. Um, no, I want to affirm this week. Uh, the one thing I think a lot of us don't realize is that we're all struggling. There is no perfect way of, of living and that all of the things that we have had to deal with, thank you, um, all the things we have to deal with in life are things that everyone is dealing with. This is not, we are all living a, a unique life, but we are all dealing with mainly a lot of the same things. And I think a lot of the things that I appreciate our therapist coming in and talking about was the simple fact that it's all about getting to know yourself. It's all about really stripping a lot of the things away that the rest of the world has put on you and really getting down to the core of who you are and affirming that person once you find that person. So my after shade for this week is that it's, we're all on this journey. There is no one box, but know that if you're okay with walking into that, that you're going to find somebody that not only you will be able to love, but that you will be able to share that love with everybody else. And so I'm affirming for people to, to not be afraid of the things that are unknown about yourself, but to just take an opportunity to take a moment and say, do I really know myself? And if I don't know myself, is there somebody who can help me to know myself? And then there's somebody who can help me to grow into myself because the person that you are is the person that we've always wanted to see from the very beginning. That person, though you may not know them, is exactly who we all need. And we, we are, I think at this table, we have all had to learn that though it does not look like what we thought it would look like at 20 or at 10, that the person that we are becoming and the person that we have learned to become is exactly who we're supposed to be. And so I affirm for everybody to just really be okay that even if you don't know who you are going to be or who you are coming to be or who you were created to be, that that person is exactly who you are, you are to be. And that it's everything that we all are looking for the rest of the, the rest of the world is looking for. So just be okay with that being that person that you're going to be being exactly who they are supposed to be. And that if though it doesn't look, it may not look perfect. There is no perfect. I think we talked about, there is no norm. There is no right or wrong way, but I just want to affirm for everybody that who you're going to be through this mental health journey is going to be exactly who you're supposed to be. So just be prepared for that and know that that is going to be one of the greatest awakenings you can ever have. Where my money? You know, you don't have been talking Not about where my money at. Run me my money. They've been talking smack what all kind of these weeks. Oh, wait, right. I'm wearing my Usher outfit. Let me get the plate. Thank you. Go ahead. Walk around. You got white gloves. to contribute too. All I know is um, it's your birthday, so you might want to calm down. Again, where's my money? <laughs> This is no shade, but since you're saying run you your money, I just want to, you know, affirm that therapy can be affordable. Mm -hmm. If we let go of like, you know, certain things in life and prioritize our mental health, it can become more affordable. 
I think I saw like a full set of nails now cost like $50 for a full set. Mm. That's on a low end. Yeah, but a deductible is only like $30. So I'm just saying, you know, <sighs> nails therapy, right? Um, afford what, what you need. What if that's part of my self-care regimen? Right. Say that again? What if that's a part of my self-care regimen? Yeah. I mean, if you can, if your nails can get in there and get the anxiety out, I say make it work. So go in for like, look at that pink, it's mesmerizing, Some of us like look really good on the outside, but on the inside, Ooh, we yeah. are struggling. That's a word. And yeah. so the hair Say is done, me, the Lord. nails done. We got, you know, HBO, Cinemax, you know, um, all the different channels that we can streamline, right? <laughs> you know she was talking about me that was a, no, no, a general no. general fish. like all oh. these add-ons Oops. but <laughs> sorry but 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 really just prioritizing so that we put emphasis on like the whole being yeah. right yeah. you this thing can't look good and be completely functional if on the inside it's not so we have to you know think about investing like in our mental wellness Mm-hmm. So that's real. Yeah, run me my money too. Good. Okay. <laughs> this came on. I got y'all. Right. Hold this. Let me do this. <laughs> Hold my purse. <laughs> um, I'll go unless you're ready. Nope. Okay. I think um I want to affirm to our listeners that and viewers, all 12 of you. Yes. Um that, we love y'all. 12,000. That's right. Claim it. I'm not beholden to numbers anymore. Sorry, I just talked about that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, <laughs> I want to affirm validation um, for all of you. I really think that a lot of the struggles that we go through um, in our mental health journeys often stem from the idea that we are going through something alone or we're going through something that other people don't understand or mm-hmm. we are making our problems worse because of how we're perceiving them, that they're not really this big. They're not really this bad. I'm being overly dramatic or I'm, I'm just too sensitive. And I want to release you from that. I think that um, the biggest piece of therapy that has really helped me is just being seen, like being able mm-hmm. to bring a situation mm-hmm. to my therapist that has um, been irritating me or has troubled me, or it's like this thing that like reoccurs in different facets and I can just bring it up and she'll be like, immediately just like completely acknowledge how I feel without trying to make me not under not not understand but like I don't there there it doesn't have to be an in-depth analysis it is immediately understood why it's irritating and I don't have to try to like articulate it to help her understand why I don't like it like Mm. it is just it is in that the fact that it is is enough that it can Aww. be understood that it is an irritant. It is making you sad. It is, and it doesn't have to be deconstructed. It is okay mm. to just feel it for what it is. And that's what I want to affirm for all of you. Mm. Aww. That was good. You felt passionate about that one. Yeah. I can tell. <laughs> um, so I will wrap up with, um, I want to affirm to our listeners that sometimes it's okay to be selfish and to water yourself and whatever that looks like. Um, We touched on a little bit earlier, like releasing that um, the strong black woman crown. I've been seeing a lot on social media, like soft life. 
which I really am falling into is just like sometimes that tracks. <laughs> <laughs> that tracks. We are. We, um, we want that for you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I think that sometimes we don't have to carry the burden of everything all the time. I think as women and black women in particular, we carry a lot of stresses and burdens mm. of mm. our families and our friends. If you have children or a spouse. So um, I just kind of want us to stop. If you have to hire the um, housekeeper to clean your house because you don't feel like doing it, you can't. I think you should do that. Do if you need sense. to go out to eat tomorrow night because cooking is going to be too much of a stress, you should do that too. Do it, um, So um, I just really want us to be okay with watering ourselves and being comfortable with accepting help, whatever that looks like, um, and not letting other people make you feel bad for taking on what other people might see as luxuries, but for you, it's really just what you need in this moment just to get through the day or get through the week. Um, and that's okay. So with that, um, thank everyone. Yes. Um, thank you, the Mind and Wellness Foundation, for really um, spearheading this episode for us. Like we have talked about it, but really digging in and taking it to another level. Um, like I know we're really appreciative of that. Yeah, um, and thank you, Latasha, for coming and being with us again. This yes. has been a great conversation. Yes. Um, you can come back anytime. Yeah, absolutely. Since you're, absolutely. Not, Cause you're not accepting we clients, I feel like it. we have to bring you back. Um, so we can have therapy. Um, <laughs> since we can't come no to your therapy. Party. I'm all about it, y'all. All right. <laughs> all right. See you guys in two weeks. Oh, wait. And I'll thank oh. you to the production team yes. for helping oh, yeah. us yeah. put everything yes, together. Yes. You guys you. have been Absolutely. great. Thank you yes. so much. We're at People's TV Studios in Tacoma Park. Yeah. Yes. So if yeah. you need a studio, it has come up. All right. Okay. Well, bye. Until next time. Yes. Bye. bye. Did we do it? We out. Yay. Yay. Yay.